This episode is supported by Dove. Narrow beauty standards have permeated our feeds, perpetuating beauty ideals that can't be achieved in real life, impacting girls' self-esteem. To help combat this, the Dove Self-Esteem Project is taking action to support the next generation so that they can have a positive experience on social media by providing no-cost resources to parents, mentors, and educators. Dove is tackling the issue of digital distortion with Reverse Selfie, a film rooted in new research on body confidence from the Dove Self-Esteem Project. They're also providing a new confidence kit so that kids and parents can navigate social media with confidence and have a more positive experience online. So head to dove.com slash the selfie talk to download the new confidence kit and helpful tips to have the selfie talk today. But Alex. Yeah, Shane. Let's begin this episode. Let's do it. Hello, everyone. I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband, Shane. The babies are in bed. The cat is in her room. And we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on this Family Tree podcast, episode 88. Special episode today. Special episode. Yeah, I'm got my my oh work my friend on this episode. <laughs> of course, of course, people we know in real life are on this episode. Yeah, and I hadn't seen him in a long time. I used to see this man every day. We, of course, I'm talking about Troy Campbell, who went viral recently yes. through having his child. Well, his wife Erica had the child in the car. And yeah. he filmed the whole thing in the most amazing way. I recommend everyone checks this video out right now. What's the key search words? Well, the Campbell Cloud is what they, they're called on YouTube. And then it's one of their most recent videos. So if you go to that, they had their baby on the 407, which I think you can type into. But one of the most fascinating videos. So I posted a link to this video like what a week or two weeks after they had their baby. I think a week after. And it was my most – I had more engagement on people checking out that birth video than on anything I had ever posted before. And the reason why, like it was emotional. It had me bawling. It had everybody who watched it bawling. It's fascinating. And like you just sit there in amazement at the sheer strength and calmness of Erica, who is giving birth in her car with only her husband, who's... Yeah. Well, like, I knew <laughs> I knew Troy was strong. Like Troy's, yeah. like if you take a look at him, he's got an eight pack. He's like 6'3". He's very <laughs> handsome. He's an actor. But his wife is equal, probably stronger than Troy. Oh like my gosh. she went through that so not effortlessly, but Calmly. she was so calm and brave. Mind you, this was her third child, but still, you're having the child on the highway. It's insane. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those videos that seems like it's going to be clickbait, and then it's not. And, and it just gets better. Yeah, and I do think we had a helping hand, a big helping hand, in making it go viral. I like to think so. Yeah. I like to think so. Because then it was on like six buzz after you posted it. Yeah. It was in the paper. He was on every news channel. You couldn't get away from him. Him and his wife, of course. So, yeah. So we have Troy and Erica on this week. And they just talked to us about that experience, about what they went through, what was going on in their minds, the aftermath, and what also kind of led to them giving birth in the car instead of in the hospital, which was, you know, their original plan. So super fascinating birth story. And I love talking birth stories. So I, I hope you enjoy that and, and troy at my work he's he's kind of like i think he does everything in the building he's like yeah. a maintenance engineer or something but he's helped me out with the show i did on crave yeah. with micah much and like i said he's an actor and the nicest man in the world and also he's like a social media personality mm -hmm. so i've been looking for an excuse to have him on this podcast and then this happened and i just thought <laughs> jackpot 
<laughs> no, they were awesome. It was so fun to kind of ask them all the questions that we had going in our heads watching that video. So watch the video, listen to it. And next up, we have Lindsay Short. So Shane was on a workshop for this one. So I just spoke to Lindsay on my own and we had such an amazing conversation. So I contacted Lindsay because she is a sustainable parenting expert and she just talks about how to be a conscious parent and how to bring sustainability into your everyday life. So we talk about a lot of things. We talk about conscious parenting and what her definition of that is and how she, you know, practically puts that into use. And then we talk about sustainability and how her and her husband kind of came to embrace sustainability. And she gives me a person who wants to be more sustainable every day. And, you know, I think we we make one change, one mega change a year, I feel like, in our house. Like, that sticks. I stop showering. <laughs> So, so it's it's awesome, and she just she gives me some really handy tips, and yeah, we we just have a fantastic conversation about that. So, I hope you enjoy that one with Lindsay. Sustainability that's just about saving the planet, whatnot. Not just about saving the planet. I mean, that's yeah. all we have, but no. that's what that's what you mean, right? <laughs> yeah, and you know, like we talk a lot about minimalism and living with what we need and not too many frills, which I think, like looking into our playroom right here. You know, Please we can don't. always get better. I'll get to, at. This pod will just go downhill if we look in any direction, actually, in our house right now. So I don't think I could be a total minimalist, but I would like to split the difference yeah. and get rid of literally half the things in this house. Yeah, I agree. I, I wouldn't want to be a total min- minimalist because that's not my vibe anyway. Like, and I, and I like things and I get a lot of joy out of things. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but whatever. But yeah, splitting the difference, I think, is a healthy way to do it. Who'd you get rid of, Betty or Lou? Who get would you? out of here. I get rid of you for that question. But Shane, cheers, babe. Oh. We got a fancy one tonight. What are you talking about? Our seed lip non-alcoholic drink that we do every podcast. Okay, I'm excited. Uh, you've oh. piqued my interest. So... We have tonight, we have a watermelon sour. We made this in the fall and fell in love with it. So we're fall, using- Fall, fell in love. Yeah, I like it. So we are using Seedlip Garden 108, which of course is a non-alcoholic spirit. I made watermelon shrubs. So that's basically just letting a watermelon, like you muddle it up and you let it sit in the fridge with sugar, basil, apple cider vinegar. And it just, it gets an awesome sour fermented taste. And then a little egg white for that fancy uh, little foam you see on top there, baby. And on a hot summer day, there's nothing more refreshing than this no. or relaxing. Let me. It, it's so freaking fancy. Like, I feel like oh, a legit man. bartender when I make this, you especially are, with the egg whites. You are a legit bartender. Like, no sarcasm. You're a mixologist. You've perfected the art of making these drinks. Thank You're you. You're quite good in the kitchen, I've realized over this pandemic. And that's a lot of work, you know, oh, so thank yeah. you. No, no problem. I love this drink. So yeah, check it out. If you have Seedlip Garden 108, make the watermelon sour. It is so worth it. But let's get into my opening. Let's do it. Okay, so we're vaccinated. Kind of, kind of. Well, isn't it 90% efficacy? I keep saying efficacy. It sounds like I'm saying defecacy or... Yeah, I was not going there. I don't think in this vaccine world where everybody's talk, talking about efficacy... I don't think anybody's saying defecacy. Well, every time I say it, I'm uncomfortable because I feel like I'm saying the word wrong, but I'm saying it right. I think so. I don't know. I always read it. I never say it. Okay. So I heard, and I could be way off like I am with most things, that this is a 90% 
efficacy rate, which I think means effectiveness. So mm-hmm. the second dose just gives you that extra kick in the ass to be like, ah, you're basically 100%. Well, okay. So I think with the first shot, I got to look these numbers up. I think with the first shot, it's like 83 or 87, I think. Okay. Almost with the Pfizer 90. one. Almost 90. And then that's only after two weeks. So you and I are like days in, babe. So we oh, got, it's got to be a, it's got to be two weeks. I'm not saying I'm feeling like yeah. Superman right now, but I am feeling like Superman in a way, just without acting like it. Mm-hmm. You know what no. I mean? I'm not like going out on the town. We we have like the superpower currently pulsing through our veins, trying to you know slowly amplify our whole body and make us super. So I'd say we're like one quarter vaxxed. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you said there, I was just going to say exactly. That was a predetermined exactly, but. Uh, it's interesting, our journey with the vaccinations. Mm-hmm. I wonder if everyone went through this, where it was like, you know how they said like Fed is best yeah. in the in the community? It was like, Vax is best. Just <laughs> get Moderna, get Pfizer, or get AstraZeneca. Who cares? Whatever you get is best. Just get whatever you can get. And then all of a sudden, AstraZeneca became like almost sheer poison to be putting into your veins. And <laughs> <laughs> like we we asked, we asked Dr. Drew, we kind of like teed him up for what I thought was a softball question, which is, hey, AstraZeneca is cool to take, right? My wife is lupus. He's like, I wouldn't do that. Well, only because, see, that's the thing is because I am under 40. So it's not great for people that are our age, but for people that are older, it's like, it's fine. But they took it off the market. I know. I know. <laughs> it because, can't be that Well, fun. no, because they lowered, they lowered the age down to 40. So I think they took it off the market because people in that age group- well, like it was, you know, one in what, like 65,000 or something. I'm just saying we went from being cool with AstraZeneca to being a little bit scared. Yeah. And, and people under 40, the blood clot ratio, wasn't it still very low percentage chance of getting it? Yeah. Yeah. Very low. Like there was a higher chance of getting a blood clot if you actually got COVID. COVID. Yeah. So it just seemed like the, the temperature ch- turned on this AstraZeneca thing. No, I know. I know. I know exactly how you feel because I was feeling the same way. And like. You know, if I was over 40 and if it AstraZeneca was offered to me, I would have taken it. But I, I have to say, like, being 32 and, like, not even being allowed to take it, I was kind of excited to get either Pfizer or Moderna just because they're efficacy. Now I can't say it. Efficacy. I'm, I'm thinking about it too much and it's losing its meaning and how to say it in, its, in my brain. But Pfizer and Moderna have a better efficacy. And... Uh, for that reason, like I'm thinking in my head, why aren't they just teaming up? Why isn't the whole world? I know like, you know, certain companies want to make money, but like, why aren't they just teaming up and giving each other the recipe for the best one? And then everybody makes the best one. You know what I mean? You know how the government is. <laughs> Society, money. I like know. You, you'd think they just help each other out. You know, humans' lives are at stake here. Yeah, you're right. Share the recipe. But it's like it's like that biatch at the uh, family picnic with the best potato salad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like how adding biatch takes the sting off just saying bitch. It does. Are yeah. you kidding me? No, it does. But I guess I, I wanted to get into how I feel like this marks the end of our quarantine phase. Obviously, we're still quarantining. Not much has changed. But mentally... I'm just feeling this huge load off mm-hmm. where we put in so much work this yeah. last 14 months, whatever, and I'm just done with it. I know. I'm so done and I can actually breathe a sigh of relief and it just feels like I'm in vacation mode. And in fact, the first <laughs> thing we're doing after this recording 
we're booking a vacation of some sort. I don't know what that means. I <laughs> we don't... haven't talked about this yet. No, we're talking about it now. That's what this pod's for. Anything we have to talk about, it's on the mic. So I don't know. We went to Niagara-on-the-Lake today. Oh, that and you was were so looking wonderful. at Airbnb. Let's book a little getaway. It could be a day. could be a, two weeks. I don't care. I just need something to look forward to. I don't want to work anymore. I feel like I've worked and correct me if I'm wrong. Have I worked every single day of the pandemic? Okay. We have only taken. So we've we've worked every single day of the pandemic. Like we have taken off. I'm not talking about you. I'm no, talking no, about no, me. No, no, no. I, that's what I'm thinking. So you took off work after I had Betty. However, you're still doing pod stuff. And then. Alex, I'll cut you off right now. The answer is yes. I've worked every day. <laughs> Of the I'm, pandemic. I'm, I know the answer. I was trying to think if there was like even one day, like Christmas. There hasn't, there hasn't Christmas? been. Christmas? No, I was still doing stuff. I, I, I assure you, you I was still no, doing No, I think stuff. you were. I think you're right. Yeah. I was cutting promos, promos and kicking them out because we were at the cottage. Yeah. So it feels damn good to to get this mentality, this, this like the whole mentality was we're locked inside for the mm-hmm. pandemic. I'm going to work every day because what else is there to do? Yeah. And it's a great way to, way to kill time. But I'm getting rid of that philosophy. Uh, the person listening to this right now is Erica. She's the, our editor of this episode. And as Erica messaged me, the first time she did a full episode, she was just like, Shane, how have you been doing this every <laughs> With week? two kids and a full-time yeah. job. And I'm like, you're right. This is a young person's gig. Editing yeah. these podcasts, it's for people who have more than three hours yeah. of time at night to be doing it. Or like I basically had to do it three hours in the morning, three hours at night. It's been Every awful. Day. But you know what? Honestly, and because we have this editor now and because Shane is you're stepping back, which is going to improve your quality of life and the whole family's quality of life was so great. So like today, because you didn't have to sit in the editing room all day, like prepping for tomorrow. And I never will again. Yeah. We went for the afternoon and, and had, you know, our closest thing to a regular day as we've had in over a year in, in in Betty's life. Like we went to Niagara on the Lake, which is like a beautiful little town in the middle of wine country. Beautiful. Like it's so picturesque. Like when you watch those, you know, what are the Hallmark, Hallmark. movies yeah. and they're all Christmassy. They're filmed in this town and this town exudes that Hallmarkiness. And we walked around. We got curbside from a bakery. Lucy ran around a park. She was rolling down hills. Betty was Friggin' picking up grass and throwing it and screaming and waving at kids. And it was it was like real life. Oh, I felt like I was committing a crime. That, <laughs> like I felt so much shame and guilt. And I was like, why am I feeling this? I have to get used yeah. to this leisure lifestyle because life is supposed to be enjoyable, I mm. think. Yeah, it's supposed to be enjoyable. And Shane, like the, one of the greatest things about quarantine is that you have been able, from my perspective... Uh, is that you have been able to work from home for your job and there's a frog <laughs> in the toy room. <laughs> there is a frog toy going off in the other room. Creepy. But uh, yeah, so you got to see what it was like working from home. You got to kind of prove to your work that you can be productive and be effective and be creative from home. 
And they said it couldn't be done. <laughs> but the thing is, I was thinking about it. And, you know, you used to be gone. We've talked about this on the pot a ton. Like you used to be gone essentially from Lucy, not seeing her from Monday to Friday. You'd see her Saturday morning and you'd see her Saturday and Sunday. And that was it in the week. And so aside from vacations, aside from long weekends, her whole life up until quarantine. And now you're seeing her every day. You've seen her too much. Quality time with her every single day. That's what I meant to Betty say. Betty has seen you her entire life. Like they're so used to it. And then when you were gone for the three days to work at your shoot, Lucy was like losing it. It was only three days, like two nights. She's like, oh, I miss daddy. Where's daddy? Like, did daddy go to work? Why didn't he take me? And it was so sweet. And I just, I love the fact that you get to be around more and you Mm -hmm. get to see the mundane but fun and cute and chaotic life. You know what I mean? No, it was was very cute coming off of that shoot. Like I felt great coming off of it. And I was so missing the family and especially Lucy Mm because I was just curious how she was going (laughs) to react. And she saw me and she ran up to me like out of a movie. It was kind of like The Bachelor, how when they see each other, the woman runs up to the man, he swings yeah. her around. She did that. She was like, daddy, and Aww. ran. And she was so happy. And I, I swung her around. It was just, you know, brought a tear to my eye. Yeah. No, it's the best. And I, it's just, it's so nice. And again, like you look back and, or I, I assume we're going to look back at one point and, you know, what are we going to be excited about? And it's going to be all the memories like look at you and i talking at nighttime like we'll be in bed at nighttime just talking about things that we've done in the past hours before Uh, not the past hour sometimes like less than an hour before Mm -hmm. yeah and it's that's what it is and it's just like the fun things the funny things the cute things and the crazy things that have happened and that we've done and yeah i think that's that brings me more joy than anything else Mm -hmm. but after the shoot you know something Bad happened. I was I was talking to my mom who has cancer. My mom has stage four lung cancer. It's a bad situation. And I was feeling great after the shoot. I called her. I was like, oh, sorry, mom. I haven't called you the last three days. I've been working 18 hours a day. And then she, we were talking about food somehow. And then I was just making a joke about how that I didn't like her cooking mm-hmm. growing up. And she got so offended. The whole conversation and- this every <laughs> since I found out she's had cancer, yeah. every phone call, I'm like, let's not bicker. Let's not get into stupid little arguments mm-hmm. that, that you tend to get into with people parents, you're really close yeah. to, or parents especially or siblings. And then we ended up getting to a, like one of the most heated disagreements we've like been in since I was probably a teenager. And I was like, Mom, I'm sorry, like I didn't know that you held you're cooking. It's such a high standard. I honestly didn't. And she's like, no one's ever told me my cook. Everyone loves my cooking. I'm like, I, I didn't know that. Like, <laughs> I'm just a kid. Like, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't like it, but I'm, I'm sure it's great now. And we have different palettes. And, and I was like digging myself in the biggest hole. <laughs> and then I got into how like, cause she was, how she was a smoker and that changes her taste. Oh, buds. I, I was just digging the worst hole in the world. And she was like so mad. And I tried to save it. I was like, uh, oh, mom, I just love you so much. I love you. And it was, and then we hang up on this weird note. Anyway, I was talking to my sister. I'm like, Tiff, I just did the worst thing. I got into the, the dumbest conversation about cooking with mom. Mm-hmm. Terribly offended her. I don't know what to do. Next day, Tiff messages me. She goes, mom's upset. Uh-oh. Mom thinks you hate her. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but I ended it saying how much I love her. So then my mom, I call her and I'm like, oh, sorry. And she's like, 
you know, you're just so condescending and all this. And like, I felt like the rudest person in the world. And then she said, it's, I'm like, well, how am I condescending? She's like, you, you are often and even on the pod, this like on podcast, our podcast said, I'm condescending to you. And I was like, geez, like that's terrible because by and large, I think even if I am condescending on the pod, I'm, I'm like performing <laughs> like on my, on my best behavior in a sense. I'm like, if this is me at my best, I must be a piece of shit. And you're always telling me how my tone yeah. is so bad, right? Mm-hmm. And my mom's like, in your tone. Is just the so I don't even know if she's like parroting did, what I was you say, think. Did she, did she get that from me saying that? I, I, I have no idea, but it definitely was resonating with me. And then I just pulled the Asperger's card. I'm like, Mom, listen, Mike, I've taken tests that say I have Asperger's. I've taken them multiple times. Alex didn't think it was true. I took the test in front of Alex. Alex agreed with all my answers. I think I have Asperger's. What'd she say? It seemed to turn the conversation around for the better. She was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> So, like, I hate to do it, but it's true. And I don't even realize that I'm emotionless with, like, now I feel like I'm animated. But I guess my tone sucks to people often. And it seems like, you know, sometimes we're trying to do, like, a banter thing. And I guess I'm like, Alex. Like, I say Alex a lot to kind of, like, be like, what you're saying is ridiculous. Yeah, but that's that's kind of, I feel like that's just a part of, I was going to say the show. But that's Mm -hmm. a part of our thing and a part of us bantering. And I, I never yeah, feel it's like, like the honeymooners or something. Yeah. Like, and here's the thing, moon. I never feel like you've been condescending to me. Never. But your tone does suck sometimes, especially if it's not a pleasant thing, but it's different than condescension. I have Asperger's though. Shane. What? And I could. Listen, okay. doesn't matter because right, you're, right. you're a man and you can fix your tone. What is, why does gender matter here? No. It's now like, you're the one digging oh, the hole, get Alex. get out of here. I'm saying because you're a grown up, you dingus. <laughs> I know, I know. So you're a grown up. You can take ownership for your bad tones. Like even if you don't see it and I have a problem with this sometimes, like with my mom, I'll give her bad tone when she doesn't mm-hmm. serve it. I've heard it. And... <laughs> And uh, it's like, even if I don't really get how I gave bad tone, it's like if the person is perceiving that and hearing that, then they're right. They're They're entitled to say, hey, that didn't sound good or you sounded not nice or not as nice as you should have been. It's that didn't sound well, Alex. No, I don't even know. It's probably is good. (laughs) So here's the thing. Like, you know, you have to take ownership for your tone and- I, I can't speak on you being condescending because you're very loving and kind. But, um, yeah, your tone can suck sometimes. But so then at the end, I'm like, you know, mom, I just I just love you. And I, like I'm like tearing up. I'm like choking up at the end of the call. And she's like, see, this is the tone I like. I'm like, mom, <laughs> I'm bawling my eyes out. I there's no way I could keep this tone all the time because it's like my throat is like closing and my eyes are filled with tears. And I find that too, like when – you and I ever are having a conversation at tone. At the end, sometimes I'll get choked up and you'll be like, see, I like this tone. <laughs> so it was very like, it's an impot. The tone people seem to like with me is impossible to keep up. No, Shane, we just want you to walk around in a perpetual state of just sorrow and tears and uh, bawling your eyes out. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all I have for my uh, little opening here. <laughs> I think through all vaccination, vacations, and tone. terrible tone. 
Uh, so I think we're going to do Troy and, yeah, and Erica. This is beautiful couple. Uh, follow them on the Campbell Cloud. They've blown up. I mean, they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. Their video is probably well over a million views right now. But before we get to this interview, let's tell everyone who we are supported by. We are supported by Mabel's Labels. Frustrated by their children's things, getting lost, mixed up, and leaving home never to return, Julie Cole and three other mom friends knew they could do better than just scribbling their kids' names on some masking tape. From there, Mabel's Labels has grown into an award-winning, market-leading company loved by moms, dads, and kids alike. And definitely loved by us. We're the most disorganized people in the world, and I think the apple hasn't fallen far from the tree. (laughs) So just knowing that Lucy and Betty have labels on everything is a huge sigh of relief. And we love them because the products are extremely durable. They're laundry, dishwasher, and microwave safe, and 100% guaranteed. The line features baby bottle labels, allergy and medical alert products, sports labels, household labels, seasonal items. We recently got a camp package, and you know we have goggles and towels and little toiletries things and everything is labeled with just like sturdy as heck. I often say they're indestructible, but what I really mean is if anything goes wrong, which it shouldn't, you get a hundred percent guarantee. No, absolutely. And they're so, so cute. You can personalize them to your kids. You can have your kids help you do this online and it's just a fun process. So head on over to mableslabels.ca to start creating your very own labels and use the promo code thisfamilytree15 for 15% off your order. They deliver internationally and offer free standard shipping in Canada and in the US. Again, that is mableslabels.ca and thisfamilytree15. But we are also supported by Mini Miosh. Mini Miosh is a premium, organic, ethically made and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto. The best kids and soon to be, I hope, adults clothing out there. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping my ear to the ground. I'm so excited about this because they truly make the best wardrobe staples. They are so timeless. They are so comfy and really they're gender neutral. So beautiful stuff and they do believe in quality over quantity. Their organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low impact non-toxic dyes. Mini Miosh is on a mission to leave the planet better off for our little ones than when they arrived on it and they believe that every little bit counts. So you can start by shopping there and you can find the company online at minimiosh.com or at minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the promo code thisfamilytree15, you'll get 15% off your order. This is available in Canada and in the US and again that is minimiosh.com and thisfamilytree15. And just in case anyone's wondering, we contact all of our sponsors. So mm-hmm. these are all curated by us. We went out of our way to get these sponsors for a reason. But now let's get to our interview with Troy and Erica Campbell. All right, Troy, Erica, you guys can hear us okay? I believe so, yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much for sitting down with us. I have been dying to talk to you both since. Troy, you told Shane about what had happened, sent him the video. We posted it and I honestly spent two days watching it and crying, then talking to people and then watching it again and then crying more. And truly, Erica, I have to, before we get into anything, commend your strength. So for those who don't know, Erica, you gave birth on the 407, which is a highway in Canada, gave birth, delivered your baby, just the two of you in the car. And I have never seen such strength. I'm getting choked up, honestly, right now. <laughs> like that one was, it was one of the most incredible things I had ever witnessed. And I just felt so much emotion mm-hmm. watching it, watching you deliver the baby. And 
when it came out right away, she wasn't crying right away. And then when she started crying, I like stood up. I'm like, cheering. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And it was, it was wild. And I haven't really experienced anything like that apart from my own births. Like I've never got so emotional. Has that been the general response from people? Oh yeah. Like everyone is basically saying the same thing. And I think they're all all going to the moment when she didn't, when she finally cried. (laughs) Yeah. So how are you guys doing now? Cause this has been, how long has she been alive for? Two weeks now. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm going to be perfectly honest about, I just drove home from work maybe 45 minutes ago. And I was thinking about the video and I'm, I'm, I'm not playing this up right now. I started to tear up a little bit. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and I'm just thinking about it. And I was thinking about not even what you see in the video, but what I was seeing because I had that front row seat and it, I got a little emotional mm-hmm. <laughs> to, be, to be perfectly honest with you. Well, when you sent me that video, did you know it was going to end up being huge? Because when you contacted me, you were like, hey, could you... Uh, like this video is cool. Could you get uh, your wife to show her like the mom community basically? Cause that's yeah. a lot of people are going to uh, want to see that in that community. And I was like, ah, yeah. this probably isn't going to be a great video. I, like you didn't big it up huge. So I checked yeah. it out and then I was bawling in the morning by myself. I'm like, I'm this, <laughs> this is the craziest video I've ever seen in my life. And I was yeah. like, Alex, you have to see this like now, like see it now. <laughs> and then she was bawling and then she kicked it out and it went from like, I don't know, 700 views to before I knew yeah. it, it was over 100,000. I'm surprised it's not over a million right now, but it's definitely going to be headed that way. Seems to be growing a lot within the last 24 hours. But no, I definitely never expected it. We actually recorded our initial reaction yeah. right after she watched it for the first time. I had seen it already because I edited it. Yeah, and day it came out, right? Yeah, before we actually published it, I needed to get her okay, obviously. <laughs> yeah. So I I let her watch it and we recorded a conversation between us after. We never released that conversation, but we have it. During that conversation, we're both like, well, only like five people are going to see this thing anyway, <laughs> right? Because to get to the video originally, it was on a channel with only 11 subscribers. First of all, we, we hadn't uploaded to that channel in a year. And the only way to really get to it was by watching a video that I had on my channel, which is very goofy. You had to watch to the end of the video because unless you watched the end of the video, you wouldn't have known how to get to it. Mm-hmm. With that being said, I was like, there's only going to be a few people who, who even get there, to get to that point to the video to know where to get it. And somehow, for some reason, people watched my initial video and people got to the video we're talking about. And, uh, people started to like it for whatever reason. Yeah. <laughs> it started to go up rather quickly. And it just um, blew up. Yeah. <laughs> I was very, very surprised for sure. And knowing that I only had like a few people following me, I didn't post it anywhere else. Then I said, okay, you know what? Let me post it on a page I have on Facebook, which is more just like supporters of mine who, who, who love our family, who like seeing our journey and everything like that. And again, it doesn't have a lot of followers. I'm like, let me just put it on there because the response has been cool and people seem to really be enjoying it. So I put it on there. And again, like it was more views than anything typically that I put out. Mm-hmm. And that's when I reached out to you. I said, this is pretty cool. And like, let me reach out to Shane because you know what? Shane is an honest guy. And he'll know- <laughs> 
he'll tell me if it's trash or he'll tell me if it's good. And I sent it to you and you know what? You, you guys seem to like it. So the video of your baby being born, being considered trash is hilarious. (laughs) Cash or trash? Trash. Yeah. But did it help? Did we help it go viral? Like I want a big us up here too. No, no, a, a thousand percent. Okay, a good. thousand percent. You guys <laughs> definitely gave it that boost. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming majority of your followers are female mothers. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Safe to assume. So yeah, a hundred percent. And as soon as you guys did that swipe up, like I can even show you the analytics. It just went. <laughs> like, it's That's insane. Yeah, got, got a bunch of messages and follows and. Yeah, yeah. No, it was insane. And yeah. and I I was thinking about oh well, whose community would want to see this, mm-hmm. you know? And right off the bat, I was like, this family tree for sure. I mean, I I watch your content. You guys are absolutely hilarious. So I see your reels, everything like that. I love what you guys are doing. Thank you. And yeah, no, the community loved it, and I think it made a lot of people remember their own births and you know the stress that they went through and because whether you want to or not you kind of compare and it's just it it brings everybody back and even the people that don't have children that follow our channel and follow along with this family tree we're just in awe of the sheer strength i think and the composure of both of you it transcends everything it was like out of a literal movie it even the way it was filmed was perfectly like Everything was just out of sight, so you didn't have to blur anything. But the baby comes out perfectly in sight. It has that dramatic moment of pause when you don't know if the baby's going to cry or not. And then it's yeah. it's not too long where you're like your heart's beating out of your chest and then it does cry. And then you get that release where you want to cry all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I wanted to go back to before yes. baby. Yeah. Like, So we had our baby, uh, our second daughter, during the pandemic also. But we didn't yeah. know there was going to be a pandemic when she was conceived. You made the choice to have your child during the pandemic, unless it was an accident. I'm not. I'm not sure. <laughs> Assumptions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, was this child a su- surprise, or what were you planning on? Hey, it's not going to be that bad to have during the pandemic. <laughs> uh, no, she wasn't a surprise. She was definitely planned. Even though we have the boy girl and everybody kept telling us million dollar family, what more do you need? (laughs) We were both on the same page that we felt we needed one more to Mm -hmm. add into our family. And so we decided to, and we, with our first two, we wanted to have them close. So they're about two years apart, 22 and a half months. And we said, if we're going to have a third one, which we decided we wanted to, we wanted to keep them close as well. So I came back to her pregnant, basically. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, I wasn't too worried, I guess, with being working in healthcare already. Mm -hmm. I'm always protected and I'm not nervous. I'm not too nervous about it. And we weren't. Yeah. I mean, you were in the beginning, but, um, you know. Well, I guess regardless, you had the child in a car. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I'm curious because you were on the way to the hospital. Was there a birth plan and like the birth plans are something I always tell people not not to really have too much because it never goes according to plan anyway but did you have an idea of how you would ideally give birth so I obviously I'm with the midwives and I don't know if they do it when you're with an OB if you plan for a, like a birth plan as well mm-hmm. but anyways in my birth plan was to deliver in the hospital 
And I actually wanted to catch the baby because a friend of mine had mentioned that uh, she caught mm-hmm. her baby. And I also wanted to like watch and have the mirror there too. <laughs> That's oh, wow. awesome. Yeah. So that was kind of, that was basically it. That was my birth plan. Originally, I wanted to do a home birth, but he wasn't going for I it. About it. I, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't want to, you know, and just in case anything were to happen, at least we would have been at the hospital and I didn't want to like, you know, go over his head. So I said, okay, fine. We'll just do it at the hospital. It's not that far. It's, you know, if we take the 407, but clearly it was um, for this birth. Yeah. So obviously it didn't happen the way it did. And, uh, you know, here we are. All right. So I need, I need like birth story. How did you go from, okay, we might have to get in the car and go to the hospital to giving birth on the highway? Like what is all the stuff that we didn't see? So in his first video on his page, he just picked up the two kids from daycare and I was at home just because I didn't want to walk to the park. Oh, sorry. He, he went to the park with them after picking up them up from daycare. And so I just chilled at home because I was getting dinner ready. It was almost like five o'clock and I went to go use the washroom to do number two. <laughs> um, and I was just chilling there, sitting on my phone, you know, just relaxing. And then my water broke. Oh my God. And uh, <laughs> so I was like, at first I was like, okay. Um, but I felt that that pop. So if anybody has ever had their water break in or broken, that that's what it kind of feels like. And I knew that feeling from my second daughter, because that's what had happened. So I was like, okay, well, this is it. So finished for the washroom, went downstairs, and I went to tell him, hey, it's time we got to go. And so he's like, okay. But I wasn't feeling anything really at the time. And with my second, I felt I guess it was contractions right away. So of course I'm comparing it to my second one. And I'm like, well, like I want to take a shower because like, you know, I just use the washroom and they're going to be down there. So I was telling him I need to take a shower and he's telling me no. So if you saw that video, he's, we're just going back and forth. Like, no, I want to take a shower. And he's telling me, no, we got to go. I mean, my bags were already packed, so there was nothing to worry there. We just had to pick it up and go. But I still went and took a shower and then I started feeling little cramps, I guess, in the shower, but nothing too crazy. Nothing that I guess I couldn't handle. So when I finished the shower again, here and there a little, and like my shower wasn't long. And so I was starting to get ready. Then I was feeling a little bit more, I think, Mm -hmm. but, and then there was a period of time where I wasn't feeling anything. And I had actually watched this other person's um, like birth story and in her, she was, but it was her first, she was saying how her contraction started. She even took a nap in between and then it came back. And then, you know, so I was like, well, maybe that's me. Right. So I was like, that's why we don't need to leave right now. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess all of that just delayed it. Because had we left right away, I'm sure we definitely probably would have made it to the hospital. But because all of that had happened. And then so I finally was getting ready. We were going, we went into the truck. And well, I was saying bye to the kids, like telling them, oh, mommy's going to come home with the baby. The baby's going to come out now. We're going to the hospital. So that was also another delay, right? Because they were having their dinner. And then we got into the truck. 
started to feel maybe a little bit more intensity, but again, nothing too crazy for me to handle. And then we left. Then it started to get a little bit more intense. And then it was like, how many minutes into the drive? Maybe 10 minutes. 10 minutes into the drive. And then, you know, then you saw the video. So timeline, that sounds like a lot. But timeline, I got home from the park with the kids, like just after five o'clock. She comes out and she says, it's time. And right away, like she's joked about me, joked to me before, like, oh, it's coming now. And I'm like, yeah, sure. But I knew she was serious this time. <laughs> I knew it was happening. So we, we went upstairs right away. She's like, okay, yeah, no, this is happening. Um, my water broke for sure. Of course, her first call is to the midwife oh, right. to say, hey, I, I, my water broke this and that. Midwife's like, all right, well, you got time. Don't worry. Yeah, they Take water. a shower. She, she's the one. <laughs> they take a shower, relax. And this has happened before. We've gone through this. And this is the only reason I knew, no, let's go. <laughs> But uh, no, midwife's like, okay, you know, your contractions are fine. You know, you're not feeling anything. You have time, which I guess normally you might, right? Right. So that's why she took a shower. She took a quick shower. We left the house uh, about 5.25, 5.30. Yeah, we started driving. 10 minutes later, she started She started feeling something. And in between that, like there was a period where she just, she just wasn't feeling anything. So she was so confident. Like, no, we have time. Right. Like as we got in the truck, like there was like a 10 minute period there um, where she just wasn't feeling anything at all. She's like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Mm -hmm. And then whatever. We still drive. We started driving anyway because we I don't know. I know I just had this feeling and uh, the midwife still didn't know we were on the way to the hospital, which we didn't want to upset her either. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So uh, we just started driving. And then, um, yeah, 10 minutes in, I think that's kind of when the video starts. Second video. And it's like, yeah, no. She started to feel something a lot more for sure. Did the camera help you stay calm in any way? Because I noticed, Troy, you were playing it up to the camera a little bit <laughs> until things got really real. But do you do you find it would have uh, you would have been more nervous had the camera not been there? No. In the beginning, I was definitely, I guess, my YouTube persona. Um, I was definitely Troy, like, you know, the very, very goofy guy, which which I am. And, you know, I was definitely playing it up. During that whole time, I was kind of back and forth. And you can almost see that because I didn't know if she was she was messing with me. And I think the point where, she, where I really got concerned was she, like, I'm trying to hold it. And I'm in my head, I'm like, you hold it. <laughs> what? Like, first of all, like, how can you hold it? But um, yeah, that's, that's when I started to get a little more concerned. Once, it, it's hard to say, but I, I know once I go over to the passenger side and get to her, Something in my mind just clicked and I, I knew the camera was there, but I just turned it and I, I I didn't know what was in the shot. I didn't look at it and make sure it was framed right or anything like that. I just, I knew the camera was there and in my head, I was like, oh, well, I'm going to get my child's birth. And I just turned the camera. And from that moment on, I, I definitely didn't even know the camera was there. I wasn't thinking about it, anything like, like that at all. But for the most part, I, I didn't even know or was a where that it was there mm-hmm. i don't know if that it helps that i'm an actor so i'm kind of trained to know like a camera's not there like i don't I don't think about it so much so i don't really change at all erica uh were you prepared for unmedicated birth like had you had that before yeah my first two you know i delivered them naturally and so i knew what to expect and how i would feel and then when i yell the ring, ring of fire, fire. <laughs> yeah so that was more for the like me communicating to my midwife because she was on the speakerphone, like to let her know like at what point I was at already. Mm-hmm. 
and that's what I was going through my head at that time was just let me let them know where we are because we're just by ourselves. And like, so she'll know what to kind of tell us what to do next. Okay, Troy and Erica, we're just going to take a quick break and let our listeners know who we are supported by. We are supported by Bravado Designs. Bravado makes the best, the best bras you can get your hands on. Nursing bras, not nursing bras, just regular bras. And I got to give thanks to Shane for introducing me and all of you to them. I'm not going to bore them with the story for the hundredth time. Okay, fine. So (laughs) here's how it worked. Alex asked me to get her a nursing bra. I don't know anything about bras, really. So I just bought her the first bra I saw. Little did I know, I was in the middle of purchasing the best bra on the market. Alex was in love with it ever since. We contacted Bravado Designs. We were like, we have to let other people know about it. And I think their promo code has probably been used more than any other thing we've done. Oh, 100%. And they've been with us the longest. We have such a special place in our hearts for Bravado. But they have the most comfortable nursing bras. And then they have their everyday collection, which is new, which just came out. And they have no clips. So these are for anybody with boobs, anybody who likes to wear bras. And you can get the nursing bras at bravadodesigns.com. Or you can head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of which website you go to, use the promo code thisfamilytree20 for 20% off. That's huge. Again, that is bravadodesigns.com and this family tree 20. But we are also supported by the Miku Pro Smart Baby Monitor. This is the most accurate sleep and breathing monitor ever. There's no physical contact with your baby, which is the thing that amazes me and the thing that I love the most. So the Miku Pro Smart Baby Monitor uses a sensor fusion technology. It's patented and it just, it it does, like, I don't know what it is. It's like a military grade technology that just monitors your baby's breathing without wearing anything because other smart monitors require you to like put a sock on your baby, put something around their tummy. Like it's it's weird. Yeah, something makes me uncomfortable about a monitor touching my child. Yeah, (laughs) I know. But Miku has the eye on it. And if you're a first time parent, a second time parent, and you're worried about monitoring breathing, Mm -hmm. movements, being notified the second anything happens, this will, you're basically buying peace of mind, I should say. 100%. And I had a way easier and more restful postpartum because I was actually able to sleep at night when I had baby. Whereas with Lucy, I mean, we had a terrible monitor, a terrible one. And I wasn't able to sleep at night. I just watched her monitor constantly because I was watching the rise and fall of her chest. And I didn't have peace of mind. With Miku, I do have that. And with Betty, I was able to sleep when the baby slept, which is what they always tell you. But it works with your phone to alert you of changes to your baby's vitals and nursery conditions. There's crypto security, so there's no hacking. Hackers cannot get into this because that's the thing with Wi-Fi monitors. Weird. (laughs) Yeah. And this monitor offers HD video and photo and amazing night vision. There's also custom dual Ole Wolf speakers and a two-way microphone, which means Miku not only plays original sleep sounds and lullabies, but allows you to talk to and comfort your baby. If you go to MikuCare.com and type in the promo code FAMILYTREE10, you are going to get 10% off this monitor. This is available in the U.S. only. And again, that is MikuCare.com and FAMILYTREE10 because no other monitor is a Miku. And now let's get back to our interview with Troy and Erica. So for me, I would, I don't think I could do an unmedicated birth just mentally, like physically, honestly, I probably could. I know I would be able to, but I couldn't get my head around it mentally. And I, you know, welcomed an epidural and I had a great birth and I was totally drugged up and couldn't feel a thing. And I had a great time. How did you get yourself in the zone and maintain your 
calmness. Like you were almost serene. So how did you maintain that on the side of the highway? I don't know. I, you know what? I just think in general, I'm, you ask anyone that knows me, I'm a really calm person. Like even my babies are calm. So I, I don't know. I just, I, that's I how I, I, know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's how I am. So I, I wasn't thinking of anything. I mean, I don't do any like yoga, if, like to say that would have helped me. That's I, I, that's just how I am. I don't know how to explain it. No, I, that, that's, Superwoman. no kidding. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Did you guys have any fear? Like Erica, I'm, I don't know if you had time for fear, but even Troy, like, were any worst case scenarios playing out in your head at all? At the time? Yeah, I don't think no. so. Yeah, like you said, I don't think there was time for any of that. It was just focusing on getting this baby out. I didn't yeah. think I didn't even think of any cars passing by. Maybe because I knew it was the 407, you generally it's not that busy, right? So had it been the 401, maybe I might have been like be careful, babe, or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think in that moment, it's pretty crazy what happens to us as a human. Your your natural instincts of wanting to be a protector just come out. Every Your senses just get so heightened and you're just on the ball. Everything was just like, I was so present in the moment before even calling 911. I knew the first thing that they were going to ask me is where am I? So I started looking at locations where I am on the highway. That's exactly how I knew where I was. I remember that when the baby was going to come out for whatever reason, I knew the baby wasn't going to cry. And, and probably because with the la our last two children, they didn't cry right away. So we had experienced that already too. Yeah. And, and I watched very intently with them. And so I, I just knew it wasn't going to happen. And I thought in my head, when the baby comes out and it doesn't cry, I'm going to have to rub its back. And that's what I did just because that's what I've seen them do in the hospital before. So no, there at that time, no, there was, there was no time for okay. fear. Like, nothing really came to us in that moment I mean, after the fact it's a different story yeah. <laughs> watching the video yeah i guess it helped that it wasn't our first mm -hmm. child Absolutely. for sure i'm probably i'm sure we probably been more freaked out if it was our first yeah <laughs> i could yeah. see that i would be i would be my first birth was traumatic enough in a hospital being cared for by a lot of people so like after the fact when you kind finally got to the hospital and you know, got checked out and had a second to breathe. Did you feel like any sort of trauma or fear at that point, having been done with it all? Or was it just kind of like elation and relief? Yeah, I, I think it was just relief. Like, oh, great. I'm mm -hmm. here. You know, she was fine. I'm fine. No, I, I totally was. I was okay. I'm still okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, we honestly didn't even mention it to anyone, really. Like, it wasn't... <laughs> Uh, yeah i mean yeah not to say that i wish there was more but yeah. <laughs> you know we, everything was fine and i'm i always consider myself lucky one of the lucky ones going into motherhood even with the first and second i actually never suffered from postpartum depression or anything because i just had we had our midwife check appointment today and they asked you like how your mood is and and all that you know what? I'm really lucky and blessed that I I'm okay, and I transitioned into motherhood pretty good. So yeah, that's amazing. Um, who cut the umbilical cord? How did that work? How long do you keep the umbilical cord attached? This is an exclusive story for you guys <laughs> because there, there's a whole story behind that. Of course, the ambulance took about ten minutes to get to us. Seems like forever. It seemed like forever during that time. 
911 was on the phone, our midwife was on the phone. You can hear that in the video. 911 started to speak to us and say that um, we had to get shoelace ready and some other items to get ready to deal with the umbilical cord. Because after their protocol and, and is to after five minutes that the ambulance isn't there yet, we have to get ready to tie off the umbilical cord and take care of it and maybe cut it. I don't know. We didn't get that far. Yeah, I don't think I don't remember her saying that. Right. So that was protocol for them. And that's when I started to freak out. And this is on video as well. We didn't release it, but this is on video as well. And I started to get scared. I started pulling my shoelace and <laughs> <laughs> all this stuff. And I'm like, what? And this is something I didn't want to do. She started pulling out, taking measurements. She's like, okay, 10 centimeters from the baby and this and that. And I'm thinking in my head, what is going like, how on? How are you going to measure that? Yeah, it was, it was incredibly scary. Thank goodness our midwife was on the phone too. And she spoke up when she heard the midwife or the 911 say that. And she just said, no, don't do it. Do not do that at the side of the road. The umbilical cord is attached. The baby is safe. Mommy's safe. Everybody's good. Just wait. You wait until the ambulance gets there. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and I just, I just put my hands underneath my bum and I was like, okay, I'm listening to the midwife. Okay. Right. And uh, well, the, the 911 operator also said, when she heard the midwife, she also said that, you know, your midwife knows you and knows yeah. your plan. So you, you can, you can listen to her, but she was just going through protocol. Yeah. But I'm, I'm super happy that my midwife, Alana, mm -hmm. Alana spoke up. She was an incredible midwife. She spoke up and I can't thank her enough. Yeah. Cause, cause she's just so firm knowing she me, I would have listened. I would have yeah. been like, get the shoe my face. Like she yeah. had to get it. Yeah, but um, no, the ambulance came, eventually came, and thankfully I got to cut it. So, yeah, they clamped it yeah. with what is usually done at the hospital, and then yeah. he cut it. That's yeah. amazing. Well, because I know there is a delayed cord clamping, right? And yeah. like you can ask for that. I don't know how long that goes and if there are any risks associated with doing it extended, but I, I know that is a thing. Now, did you deliver your placenta on the side of the road too or did you do that in the hospital that was my next question <laughs> yeah so that actually ended up being at the hospital okay. so of course it, anyone who's felt that it's so you know we're waiting for the ambulance i can still feel the contractions and then it took a while a little bit for us to for, to get me onto the gurney or whatever it's called to into the ambulance and then go for another 10 minute drive so mm -hmm. i'm feeling it there i'm like i just want to get this out of me because it hurts yeah. it's almost as if it was worse than getting nova out <laughs> so you know the ems she was checking me and, she, and then you know she kind of said if i could hold it in <laughs> but um and i did and then in the hospital that's when i finally delivered it and i guess maybe we can send you a photo but i ended up taking a photo uh, with the ems beside me after they had wheeled me in and put me into the bed and in that photo my placenta was still in there and I mean we have our mask on you can't see me smiling but you know I'm like there sitting smiling holding Nova and my oh my placenta is still oh in my there. goodness oh my god um, yeah so then in the hospital then you know that's when it came out you know I think about the first couple moments after either of my children were delivered they put them on my chest, which is what you guys did, which was beautiful. And then, you know, we try to start nursing. Now, does does anything like that happen when you're on the side of the road? Or are you just kind of still waiting for a direction from the 
the professionals in the rescue. Yeah, I didn't put her on the breast, to be honest. I just wanted her to keep crying. Yeah. Um, and then there was moments where she wasn't crying. And I was like, oh, and then but she started crying right away. But then when I got into the ambulance, they told me to start nursing mm-hmm. and she latched right away. And the whole ride there, she was just like on and off the boob. <laughs> and and when we got to the hospital. That's amazing. Now, when it comes to cleaning the car afterwards, <laughs> how, how does that work? Do you do you go to a car wash and get them to detail it? And if so, do you have to tell them like, oh, there was a baby born in here and you give them an extra tip or anything? Like, how does that work? I, I didn't even do it yet, bro. It's still messy. Really? Right? <laughs> yeah, you know what? It, it, it honestly, it wasn't that bad. Man. It really, really wasn't that bad. I um, There were some cloths in there and I, I just wiped it and <laughs> wow. went along my business. I don't know. It's, I didn't think about it, to be honest with you. It wasn't that bad, though. That's amazing. Okay. So because you had taken the number two before the birth, <laughs> I guess you didn't take one in the, the car then. Yeah. I don't know. You Did I? Oh, I don't gosh. know if I did. You can <laughs> clean it up. Uh, Wait, there was a number two in the car, Troy, and you haven't cleaned it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Troy's acting like there may have been. Okay. There <laughs> <laughs> might have been a little bit, but nothing, nothing, nothing yeah. that daddy can't do. Yeah, nothing a few cloths can't take care of. Yes, just <laughs> leave I, it. I love this woman. I'll take care of her. You know? nice. It's all good. And now 407. Are you guys getting a free pass on that? Because for those that don't know, the 407 is a toll highway. Shane and I recently got a hefty bill from them. Oh my them. goodness, I hate it. Are they, are they giving you a free pass or do you guys have a transponder? <laughs> So yeah, they reached out to us telling us that um, they're going to give us the one year free. I don't know if it's a transponder they're giving us, but yeah, so they, they're giving us a free year of travel. But only Whoa. west of Pickering. So nothing east of... of yeah, so uh, not the 412 or 418. Yeah, and, and anything on the 407 west. And we're actually speaking with them because we would love to like pay that forward. And we're trying to work out a way where we can give it away to other people and uh, let cool. them share that mm-hmm. so we're, we're in talks with them right now to hopefully get that done um but whether it happens or not we we have no idea just because it'd amazing. be nice to you know because we wouldn't have that unless people actually watch that video you know yeah I mean? so why not just help other people that use that road right well for listeners i mean if you uh are doing any commuting there you go 407 is giving out free yearly passes if you have a baby on the highway so, well, I, mean, I think there's... you have to birth the baby on the highway. Well, that's what I'm saying. Oh, you're recommending well, people do that? Well, I mean, it worked out for these guys. Oh. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> we may have to edit that part out. But, um, so Yeah, I don't I don't think they maybe want that. <laughs> yeah, no. It's funny because that's what Six Buzz, they posted on Six Buzz last night and they captioned that same thing. And then everybody's in the comment section like, nah, I'm going to have it at the Apple store. Nah, I'm going to have it at Walmart. Nah, I'm going to have it here. That's awesome. Yeah, it's hilarious. That's amazing. No, Troy, I wanted to talk about, and Erica, the account that that afterwards, because I noticed you're wearing a shirt right now. And your account used to be called, I'm talking to Troy, right? Because the reason I'm saying, because you used to have an account called Topless. But now I've noticed your account's not called Topless anymore. Yeah. What happened? Uh, I got fat. (laughs) I'm surprised you even asked me that. That has a lot to do with acting. Okay. Um, I'm in the union now and I didn't want to turn anybody off. But the, the main thing is, honestly, my kids. It came down to every time daddy was kind of doing like a funny story for Instagram or YouTube, I, I was taking off my shirt and 
they just didn't get it at the time. And there came a point where my son Cash was like, oh, I'd be like, oh, let's film something. He'd be like, all right, he'd take off his shirt. Oh. <laughs> and I, I, I just, I didn't want to give him the wrong impression almost, I guess. And I, I knew I couldn't explain it to him yet. You know, I don't know if you followed Topless or whatever. It was never about having my shirt off. It was a mentality. And I still have that mentality. But yeah, that's that's why I've been keeping it on more often now, I right. guess. <laughs> <laughs> and is... Erica going to be a bigger part of your channel now? Is it going to be more of a family Instagram account and YouTube channel? Is that, is that the idea? Yeah, I, I hope so. That was always the plan. Yeah, so she, she's not one to pick up a camera and, and try to vlog or anything like that. I definitely want to do more with her. I think she's great on camera, whether she, she knows is. that. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Our kids, it's up to them. We're, we're very like, we let our kids make their own decisions. If we film with them, we say, hey, Cash, do you want to film with us? You know, they either says yes or no. They either want to be in it or they don't. And that's that's very, very big for us. Even my channel now, I, I wanted to do more family content um, just because I love doing that content. But I never want to pressure the kids in thinking they have to be on film i want them to make that decision and there's such a fine line with that with with youtube and creating content i want the kids to make their own decisions whether they want to feed it or not so hopefully it all goes well the campbell cloud was something we came up with and like i said i, I put this video on there and literally blowing up that channel <laughs> uh, we're so so scared to post anything else so. <laughs> it's hard to top that video so but, but what Sorry. it's hard to top that video there anytime you have a yeah, huge hit yeah. it's yeah we're the same if we have something go really well on tiktok then it's we're reluctant yeah. to have a flop but but you have to so yeah. what is next for the campbell cloud what's the next video we're gonna see we, we don't know <laughs> well, listen we we pop we we scheduled a, a video to publish the other day and then we we canceled it we're like nah let's not make it that way it was like our reaction video just because we're I don't know, man. It's funny. I don't know if you guys go through us through this as influencers. You get ninety nine percent love, and then there's one percent that's like, "Oh, you guys faked this. Oh, this is set up. Oh, this is a scam. Oh, you guys are cloud chasers." And it's just like it's in your head, and then it sticks. Yeah, and it, it just it just it can frustrate you, right? And I know that um, someone who's created content for a long time, and I'm. I'm I'm pretty good at ignoring that stuff. She's very, very new to that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even though there's just so much love, it's still like you see that one comment. It's like, nah, you, you guys are trash. You, know? see, <laughs> you, know what I mean? you have just, to delete them. Yeah, delete them and just remind yourselves that if somebody's taking the time out of their day to say something like that, to watch it and say something like that, like that's, I think you feel bad. It's like, this is the yeah. best thing you have to do right now is to say negative things to like the sweetest family ever. Like, I feel sorry for you. It, it's so sad. The trolls will turn on a dime. Once yeah. someone said the meanest thing ever on TikTok and I just said, be nice back to them. And they said, oh, sorry, you're yeah. right. I'm having a really bad day. And it just turned the, <laughs> and then they became a, a fan. And I noticed if you comment and you're not trolling them back. They always yeah. turn and yeah. apologize. They just want a little sprinkle of attention from you. A little and, love. And they're really surprised when you do respond too. And they're like flattered. I agree with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can agree with well, that. It was one. also <laughs> nice to see people defending us or defending, mm -hmm. you know, from those comments. So that was nice. But yeah, no, altogether, it's a scary time. The, the video has 
well exceeded anything that mm -hmm. I thought it was going to do. You know what I mean? I thought maybe a hundred views max it's pushing. I think it's at like 600,000 views right now. It's scary because we have people reaching out to us from all over the world, wanting access to the video and asking for permission to the video. And it's scary because I, I don't know whether to say yes or no. Like, what are your intentions with the mm -hmm. video? Like, are you going to do something weird with it? You know what I mean? It's just, it's just, it's a difficult time for sure. Like a, you never think about, you know, what it's really like after going, I guess, quote unquote viral, even though I don't know if it's viral or not, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a wild time. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. And I mean, two weeks after a baby, like I know you guys, this is your third child. So this is Nova. She's super, super sweet. And you have this, you know, this huge hit video on your hands. And like you said, Troy, so many people reaching out to you. Are you guys able to kind of keep that calm or is it a little overwhelming? How are you feeling? In terms of like the family? Just all of it, like the family, the video, you know, kind of just dealing with everything getting thrown at you at once. Yeah, no, I, th I think we're pretty, pretty level-headed right now. Yeah. We've got an amazing family that helps us out and stuff. Uh, I think, I think we're good right now. Yeah, yeah, you know, the kids are good. We're still, uh, we're not taking any time away from them, I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think everything's good. That's amazing. And you mentioned, Erica, that you worked in healthcare. Uh, when do you see yourself, one, what did you do in healthcare? And two, when do you think you'll be heading back, if ever? She might be an influencer. <laughs> oh, she had him back. She had him back. We need money. <laughs> so I'm in dental. I'm a dental hygienist. So I'm taking the year off for sure. But I kind of wanted to do an extended because she's born in May. So I'm like, why do I want to come back in the summer? Mm -hmm. So take June and July off. Only a Troy's couple shaking or in August. Head. Unless you come up with some video ideas. <laughs> And you know what? You get some crazy viral videos and make us lots of money. Try the reaction <laughs> you know, video. Put out that reaction video. Oh, man. I agree. You yeah. have to put out the reaction video. That's what yeah. people want to see. Yeah, that's what I want to see. I'm, you I'm, have to. I'm consuming your content right now. That's what I'm waiting for. It's it just, it's what's long ones. It's like 20 minutes. So like, who the heck wants to watch 20 minutes? Your fans. Like, we're talking about I am. Who wants, <laughs> who wants, I will. Who wants to see that? And then, like, there's, there's just there's things in there that you know like the trolls will pick at and it's like ah. <laughs> edit it out I mean, edit it all just, out we're, we're insecure i guess you know yeah well i say put it out i will watch it you got editing skills put them to use but guys where can listeners go because i know that so many people were impacted by your video that you know are, are a part of our community where can they go to check you out online you know whether it's your shows socials your youtube all that so the Campbell Cloud, everything is the Campbell Cloud. Instagram, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, it's all the Campbell Cloud. Uh, we're hopefully going to pump out some more family content like we have been. And hopefully we'll step it up some more and pump out even more. And, you know, our goal with every video is just to make one person smile. That's all we want to do. We just want to bring joy and happiness to the world. We just want to make people smile. That's our only intention with everything that we put out. So well, it's definitely working so far. And I have a suggestion for you. The ET yeah. podcast. ET podcast. Erica Troy. Oh. oh. Yeah. Ah, I'm just not, not even that name. I know you have to stick with the Campbell Club. I was just thinking that's funny, ET, but you you should have a podcast together. It's be an easy way to so? produce a lot of content. Mm -hmm. You're you're yeah. both great on the mic. You you'd have a good yeah. dynamic. And you could just put a one yeah. podcast a week, and I think it would do really well. Fifteen minutes, half an hour, yeah. whatever is in your threshold of you think's appropriate amount of time. 
Yeah, we can try that out. Yeah, that's a good Worth suggestion. It's a, a good suggestion. Thank you. Good suggestion. I'll leave you with We got to have you guys as guests, though. Absolutely. Yeah, we 100%. It, We're in. I'm going to grill you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but, guys, thank you so much, Erica and Troy, for sitting down with us today. I'm so happy we got to talk about this because I have been just dying to. And all the best to you guys and to little Nova. She's the absolute sweetest. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Thank you for having us. It's amazing. Absolutely, guys. All right. Take thank care. you so much. That was Troy and Erica. That was awesome. That was awesome. And, you know, I still can't get over it. And, like, I got choked up in the interview. If I think about the video and think about the moments that really got to me emotionally, like, I get choked up again. Like, so easy. I, it's the this, most moving video. It is. It Why is. Why is it so moving? Like, if, if anything, I'd be, I thought I'd be like, yeah, but I'm, like, holding back the tears. Yeah, well, okay. So, I find birth, birth videos moving yeah. anyway. I guess it takes you back. It does. It does. But it's just, it's, you know what? Like, even before we had Lucy, I was watching birth videos to kind of pump me up. And it was just always so fascinating and so, like, so amazing. So I just, I love it. And then this one is obviously so unique. But yeah, hope you, hope you all enjoyed that one. All right. But should we move on to our next interview? Now, take it away, Alex, because I really uh, have nothing to chip in here. All right, so here is Lindsay Short. Again, we talk about conscious parenting, about sustainability in everyday life and how to how to start if you haven't yet or how to, you know, maybe get better if you're at a place like me. But super great conversation and she's just a very welcoming and like not pretentious sustainable person. And I find that you know, sometimes it's hard to find people like that, you know? There's like a holier than thou vibe within yeah, some people in certain communities but she's she's wonderful it's hard to sustain a conversation with those people sometimes it is, it is but not with Lindsay. so i uh, hope you all enjoy this conversation with Lindsay short but before we get to this interview alex mm -hmm. um let's let everyone know who we're supported by we are supported by My Breast Friend. My Breast Friend is the number one choice in nursing pillow for millions of parents around the world who nurse their babies. Everyone who listens to this pod knows what I'm going to say next. B-R-E-S-T is the spelling. There is no A. And for more than 25 years, My Breast Friend's patented wraparound design has supported people in over 40 countries and thousands of birthing hospitals to support successful nursing. Lactation consultants around the world credit the pillow for helping parents achieve longer and more comfortable feeding cycles than they thought possible. Shane and I can attest to this. It's true. Now, what do you think makes for a good breast pillow, in your opinion? Oh. Nursing pillow, I should say. It's the support. So this this has like an actual shape to it. Like it's not just a little, you know, half moon shape. It is so much more than that. So like it actually goes all around your body. It clips at the back. So it stays put. And it's like it's firm. Like you can keep your arm up there. You can keep the baby's head there and it doesn't give you a kink in the arm because I find that even with those little half moon, you know, like cotton filled pillows, it doesn't matter. It still hurts my back. It hurts my arm. It hurts my neck. No I don't like it. No further questions. <laughs> it's simply the best, most supportive choice for successful breastfeeding. You can purchase My Breast Friend online at buybuybaby.com, target.com, walmart.com, babylist.com, and amazon.com. And now let's get to our interview with Lindsay Short. Lindsay, I am so glad that you could join me today for this Family Tree podcast and welcome. Thank you. For having uh, me. So you talk about sustainable parenting and conscious parenting. Mm -hmm. And I mean, myself and I'm sure all the listeners can, you know, come to our own conclusions about what that means. But for you in your space, 
what is sustainable parenting? What is conscious parenting? Yeah, I'll start with conscious parenting because I think that one's a little bit easier. For me, conscious parenting is just an awareness of parenting. I very much was raised haphazardly, as I like to say, like I think it was very much just trial and error. And this is the way I was raised. This is what I'm doing to my child. Like there wasn't an intentional piece to the way that I was parented from my perspective. So I think conscious parenting for me and the way that I try to talk about on my platform is really just an awareness. Like let's think about the things that we're doing to our kids, for our kids, and just be conscious of those decisions. I really try to make sure that I always remind people that there is like no one size fits all. There is no expert on your child other than you. So there isn't like a a hard definition of what conscious parenting is. I think it's just that intentionality, the like pause of thoughtfulness and making sure that we're parenting in a way that, you know, aligns with the way that we want our children, the outcome we want for our children. Mm -hmm. As far as um, sustainability parenting goes, I think Again, that looks different for everyone. I don't, I very much despise the like zero waste perfection of um, sustainability because I think it's, it's so unattainable for people that they feel crippled. Stressful. Yeah. And then don't want to start anything, which I think is, you know, not helpful to the cause. Like my hope is that I make sustainability approachable in ways that people Mm -hmm. can, you know, even if they're implementing one thing, that one thing has such a ripple effect in their own household and in the way that they're raising their child. Like, you know, if you, there's a million different little things, but if your child Mm -hmm. is raised with that becoming the norm, then when they have a household, chances are that will be the norm in their household. And, you know, you're changing the lineage and your one decision. So yeah, I think sustainability and the conscious parenting that it kind of go hand in hand and that they're just an awareness and a desire to do better. Mm -hmm. So, okay. I want, I want to go back to your definition of conscious parenting again, because I do have a question about that. So, I mean, I try, I think I'm, you know, we're implementing conscious parenting in our home. Every little decision we make, we kind of talk over together. And I mean, the second I had my oldest, who is now three, you know, I, I put so much thought into everything to where it is. It is so stressful and it's almost crippling some decisions. Now, you said that you were raised haphazardly and I I liked that, uh, you know, the way you described that. And I still think even though I'm trying to implement conscious parenting and I'm really putting thought, I still wonder if there's not a haphazard nature to that because I don't know if I'm getting it right, I don't know if what I want to implement, what I think is, you know, respectful parenting or whatever. I don't know if that's going to work with my child. I don't know if I'm going to get it right on the first try. And what are my kids going to think? Like, do you think that, you know, no matter what we do, our kids are going to kind of, this is totally off topic, but do you think that no matter what we do, our kids might grow up and think, oh, maybe I was, I was parented haphazardly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I think for me, what I what I try to remind myself is that I remove the the veil of parenting. I think not only was I parented haphazardly, but my parent my parents put themselves on a pedestal to where I didn't have the the authority over my own life to say, hey, the way that our relationship is working is not working for me. And I yeah. think with my daughter, I really tried to say, like, 
I want to remind her that I am doing this. Like every day is new for me. <laughs> like even <laughs> for my parents now, this is the first time that they have ever parented a 20 something year, year old. You know, like of there's course, never yeah. a point where in parenting, you arrive to this place where you're like, I'm an expert parent because every right. day you're 28 years postpartum or like whatever yeah. that is. Yeah. You're always figuring it out. So I think the consciousness is a part of it, but just the acknowledgement that like I, this is a two-way relationship. Like I am doing mm-hmm. my best to parent you. And I hope that, you know, my two-year-old, she's almost two and a half someday comes to a point where she can tell me like, Hey, I know you're trying to do this, but this isn't working for me. Like, let's have a conversation mm-hmm. about how we can make this, what you're trying to do better received by me. And I think those are the conversations that I wish I would have had in my parenting relationship and the, the conversations that I think that make the most difference. So then do you think that the main difference there? is like autonomy and instilling in your kid a sense of autonomy so that they feel comfortable bringing those things up? Yeah, I think it's autonomy. I think it's an acknowledgement that they are a whole human that, mm. yeah, but this isn't like a ruse. I think my parents <laughs> just parented in a way that was like, I know exactly what I'm doing. And then from my perspective, I was like, do you? Because <laughs> this doesn't feel great, but because they put on such a front of like, yes you know, I am the parent, you are the child, you are going to listen to me. There was never room for us to have an authentic relationship, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that does not breed closeness and connection that I think most parents Mm -hmm. want with their children. So yeah, I think there definitely is not, there's no perfect parent and you can be like as conscious Mm -hmm. as you want to be and still get a million different outcomes. But I think removing the veil and just parenting in a way that's authentic to your own humanness Mm -hmm. allows for a real relationship with your child. And maybe being conscious of our own imperfection, I guess, is the best way to be conscious parents. Because it's funny, this has kind of been a theme without even trying in the last few interviews that I've done is that we've gotten into talking about how so I'm 32 my husband is 38 I think you're you said you're in your 20s and it it was parenting was a little bit different when we were growing up and I saw that with me I saw that with the majority of my friends a lot of my friends were second gen immigrants and that was that's a whole different standard of parenting <laughs> and uh, it it was very different. It was very much, this is how it's going. You can't question me my way or the highway and that's kind of it for you. And there was no imperfection, you know, from the parents' standpoint. Yeah, I think it just requires a vulnerability that that generation was not used yes. to. <laughs> no, of course. And you know what? If I was moving to a new country and wanted my kids to succeed in that new country, who knows how I would act because maybe I would have no more room for vulnerability either. I'm not sure. For sure. But for sure. Yeah. You're all already so vulnerable, like in your own house, you have to at least like fake that you have some kind of authority. <laughs> <laughs> so now when it gets onto the sustainable side, has sustainability and I guess really watching what you do to help protect the planet and be eco-friendly, has that always been a priority for you? Or was that something that came later? And if it did come later, what sparked that? Yeah, so it definitely came later. This was not something I I grew up with. My husband and I both are in social service, which while that's a very rewarding position, it's not a very lucrative position in a lot of ways. So when we as a family decided that I would stay home with my daughter, that came with like some serious, we need to make some different decisions in our household, mm-hmm. um, which 
led me down the rabbit trail of sustainability because a lot of times the things that we're spending money on habitually are not sustainable, mm -hmm. <laughs> like paper towels, paper plates, like those things eat up your, you know, your grocery budget or whatever. Yes. And then they're also harming the planet. So that's kind of how I, that was my introduction into sustainability. And then once my daughter was born, it was such a perspective switch and that I felt this heavy, immense probably anxiety, but I'll say burden to protect her planet. Like she is mm -hmm. the generation that our decisions are now impacting. Yeah. So definitely was not always a thing, stumbled into it at, at a financial need. And then it just became a passion of mine. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And honestly, like I have always wanted to do my part. I, I wasn't always doing the actions, right? But I always wanted to do something. But then when we had our daughter, Lucy, it became really apparent that I needed to start doing more in everyday life and needed to start thinking more sustainably so that she'd be healthy. So that if she has kids one day, her kids have a healthy and, you know, because you think of all the things that would come with global warming, climate change, and it's like war. It's it's so much more. It's, you know, mass environmental refugees. It's so much more than just it getting a couple degrees hotter. And that is so scary to me. And that really kind of sparked a fire under my ass to say, we need to make more changes. And I'm still not making enough changes. I know that there's some... no one, no one is, no one is, <laughs> no know. one's living zero waste. No, you know what I mean? Like it is as best as we can with what we have right now. And that, you know, changes and ebbs and flows. And yeah, it's yeah, hard. I it's know. hard not to feel the pressure of like, I have to save the planet with my, <laughs> within my household. So, okay. Yeah. I actually want your opinion on this. So we, I brought my daughter to a, a climate change rally when she was like 15 months and it was really sweet. She loved all the singing and the dancing and it was really great. I posted about it on social media and I had about 500 either comments or DMs, uh, people telling me that I was being hypocritical because I still had a child and that having children, whether they're antenatalist or whether they are just... I, I don't know. So what is your response to that? And is it irresponsible to have children in this era? I don't think so. I think that people are going to have children, period, the end of the story. So in my opinion, it is irresponsible to not have children who then will advocate for the planet. Because if yes. all of the people who are eco-conscious don't have children <laughs> mm -hmm. and the people who don't care or who are climate deniers do, our planet is doomed. Right? <laughs> our future is like written for us. So yeah, I have heard there's actually an influencer that I'm good friends with on Instagram who had three children. And that was okay. like the line for people because they say, you know, two children is the where you can kind of carbon offset, I guess. Right. And then that third, she like received so much backlash. It was like two months of her trying to justify this sweet child. And it's oh like, leave her personal choices alone. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, yeah. Well, the, I, I like it. Like if you're raising kids to fight for awareness and to fight the good fight in whatever regard that is, you know, then I, I, I got to think that that has to outnumber or be positive in some way. We won't survive if all of the environmentalists stop having children. <laughs> the end of the world is upon us. So for the listeners, procreate to save the planet. Yes, I know a lot exactly. of listeners uh, don't have kids yet. 
Uh, yeah. And some are not in relationships and it's down the road. But if you're one of those people who are thinking, mm, maybe I should be really environmentally cautious, conscious and not have kids, do it. Don't do it. Like, actually yeah. do it. <laughs> Make a baby. <laughs> Make an aware baby. Oh so how can we how can we integrate sustainability into parenting? Because the first thing that comes up in my mind is cloth diapers. I couldn't pull the trigger on that with my first daughter. And I swore I'd do it when my second one came. My second one is now almost a year. Didn't do it. Didn't do it. I couldn't. I just couldn't. So what other ways can we kind of integrate that into our lives as parents? Yeah, I want to say first that there's like no wrong way to do this. So like not cloth diapering does not mean you're failing environmental parenting. I used organic diapers if it makes sense. Yeah, you know, there are other, and like sustainability is not sustainable for everyone. Like there are different, you know, socioeconomic influences. There's a lot of things that go into sustainability. I think the first thing is just acknowledging how much capitalism targets parents. Like it is outrageous. And I think once you have your first, you realize like, oh, my house is full of all of this shit I don't need. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yes. My showers, yes. yes, my like baby showers are just full of random junk that I opened that like met a such a specific need in quotation marks that never came up for us. <laughs> like yeah. it just is it's outrageous. And I get that there are some unique situations and where there are tools that fit specific children. There's a lot of things that are probably very unnecessary, but I think they're so house specific, but we don't let ourselves get to that point. Like we, we think, oh, you're pregnant. You need this blanket list of items that every baby needs. And then you realize like your specific child doesn't need half of those things. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the first thing is just acknowledging that you don't need everything and that you can thrive, (laughs) not just like survive, but thrive without most of it. Yeah. And that, so, again, that looks different. It's very specific to each individual person. Oh, of, of course. Of course. Well, I take the wipe warmer. My husband loved using it because he was sure that it was better for the baby. He thought she liked it more. And I was like, oh, she probably does like it more, but it really doesn't make a huge difference in our lives. So if somebody was to come to you and they say, okay, you know, I'm pregnant, I'm having a baby soon. What do we need? What is the best way to think you know, minimalism, think, what do we actually need? What can we almost be sure won't go to waste? And what should I actually have to prepare? I, that's a very tricky question. I can answer this only from my like limited experience. The things, especially it's funny now because I'm pregnant and due in August. So we're having a second and I'm like, I am not buying one thing for this child. Congratulations. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. We're very (laughs) excited, but yeah, it's just so silly. The things that we have needed for our child are some way to wear her. Like that is in, that is paramount for me. I really loved baby wearing. I don't feel like I would have survived the first like four months of parenthood without a way, (laughs) without a way to like live my life and still have a child. A stroller is not the same, a bassinet, a swing, like all of those things are not the same. Like physically having her on me, her getting contact naps saved my life. So I think some way to wear a baby, somewhere for them to be put down. That looks different for everyone. We we didn't have a pack and play, a swing, or a bassinet. <laughs> we had a, it's like a high chair that would tilt back. So, and it, it grew with her. So she was able to like lay in it as an infant and then you could sit it up more upright for her to eat at the table. And then I think the back and the padding came off at some point, like she had it for a very long time. 
So yeah, some way to wear her, somewhere to put her down, somewhere for them to sleep. And for us, we ended up co-sleeping. So like <laughs> even, you know, we bought a we bought a crib, did a nursery, like did this whole the whole thing, the whole shebang. And then it was just like, this isn't working for us. This isn't working for her. And she probably slept in it. I don't know, four times. <laughs> and oh now it's goodness. like in storage in our basement. Are yeah. you, is so, she still co-sleeping now? She's still, yeah, she's a two and a half year old. She sleeps with my husband in one room and then I sleep alone in another room. And when baby comes, baby will sleep with me in that room. Yeah. And I, I like sharing that story because it is, it's so family specific. And, you know, we get a lot of pushback even from our family about like, she's going to be in bed with you when she's 18. And it's like, do you know an 18 year old who sleeps with their parents? <laughs> if you do, that's fine. If that works for them, but I don't think that's going to be the case. And if it is, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. How is that impacting you? <laughs> I don't know how my daughter yeah. at 18 sleeping with us matters to your life. Yeah. We're just very much make it work for you. Yeah. And, and I think that's great. And it's funny because I always just say, make sure they have a way to eat whether that's breastfeeding or formula feeding, whatever it is. And I say, look, nothing else really matters except for eating, sleeping. And I personally suggest baby wearing. Like I I lived by that and I didn't get my first carrier or wrap or anything until my first daughter was like three weeks old, which is still very young. But oh my goodness, I wish I had it from day one because that first day of having her in it, I felt like a a freedom that I had not felt before. And I still carry her. She's three and she still fits in some of my carriers. And now I have like a collection of wraps and slings and carriers. And I I honestly couldn't live without them. Yeah, I agree. 100%. We did not get, we had a carrier very early on, but I didn't discover the ring sling until she was like four or five months old. And she was a big child. <laughs> so like our, our ring sling journey was not as long as I had hoped it would be, but yeah, it, it changes your life. Like the, the independence that you long, that you had before having a child, you get a sliver of that back mm-hmm. with carriers. And I think that's invaluable. And, and now going on to daily life, right? So that is kind of minimalism when you are first starting out your parenting journey, but in daily life, when it comes to cleaning, when it comes to just using energy, consuming energy. What are some swaps that we can make? Because like I go through so many paper towels, so many, and I don't know, like, I don't know what to do. What should I do? Yeah. Paper towels was one of the first things that we mixed from our budget line because we needed to save money. Paper towels, paper plates. I feel like there was something else in there, but those two were were really big for us. We started, I think when we first started, I actually just went to like a fabric store and bought flannel and cut um, cloth. So at the kitchen table, we each get like, and it feels kind of fancy at first. You're like, Ooh, I'm using, (laughs) I'm using like a cloth napkin, but now that's just the norm for us. Like we don't have paper towels. We don't have napkins. That's just like, we use cloth. And it's funny because now it's turned into like an old t-shirt or a bed sheet. Like we don't use flat (laughs) sheets. So like flat sheets get turned into, um, rags. Wait, you don't use a flat sheet on your bed? No, we just Why? use like a, I don't know. Just We're just curious. like not flat sheet person. Have you, there's like a huge debate. I've seen like people post polls of like flat sheet, no flat sheet. And it's like very divided. Society has been. Yeah. I use them all. I, I take them all. I didn't even know there was another I know. Option. I just, for me, it's like a thing that gets either shoved down the, under a duvet and I like can't <laughs> find it. I'm never a person who like a flat sheet is enough. If that makes yes. sense. Like yeah, yeah. I, 
I need the weight of a duvet. So anyway, yeah, we don't use flat sheets. <laughs> so they have to get turned into all kinds of different things. So that, see, it seems like a great alternative because I actually have a huge collection of cloth napkins, a, a ton of them, like from every grandparent. We don't have any grandparents anymore, but from all eight who have now died or how many you have, I, I inherited somehow cloth napkins from every single one of them. And we, we only use them for special occasions. So then how do you, if you're using them for every day and for just kitchen messes or like I think of all the messes I use, you know, because of babies and toddlers running around, does it make a difference? Like, are you washing these by hand? Do I put them in the, in the wash? Does it make a difference? Yeah. I just put them in the washer. It's hard. A lot of people also ask like, cause we did cloth diaper, like, don't mm. you do laundry all the time? And it's like, I don't really know. I don't know that what the other side looks like, because that's what we did yeah. from the beginning with her. We have a basket at the end of our stairs. Our like kitchen has a basement door and there's a basket at the bottom of the stairs. We just like toss so we'll like wipe up a mess with a cloth napkin, toss it down into that basket at the bottom of the stairs. And that's like its own load of laundry. Sufficient. Probably, yeah, like probably like <laughs> once a week. Like it's not anything crazy. Um, and we wash it with our like, you know, bathroom towels and things. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I feel like if it works for you, it works for you. And if it doesn't, you can find some other, you know, some other way to save, to save the planet. It's not for everyone. Not everyone of has course. to do this. Yeah. Okay, Lindsay, we are going to take a quick break and tell our listeners who we are supported by. We're supported by Tushy. Shane, the future of toileting has arrived. Finally. (laughs) Okay, it's technically been around for centuries, but it's hideously expensive, costing thousands. But the brand new Hello Tushy 3.0 Modern Bidet Attachment is here to level the playing field. It is stylish, it is eco-friendly, it is easy to install, and it is affordable. Like, style is great, but what I really love about this is the fact that it works. Now, you hardly have to use any toilet paper, and even if you did, which you don't, it's clean. You're just clean, and you're confident coming out of the bathroom, which to me was the most important thing. The fact that we're spending way less on toilet paper, that is a fringe benefit in my opinion. The Hello Tushy 3.0 doesn't just cleanse your butt with a precise stream of fresh water. It cleans itself before and after it's used with the Smart Spray automatic self-cleaning nozzle. So it attaches to your toilet. It requires no electricity or additional plumbing, and it cuts toilet paper use by 80%, which is huge. So the Tushy bidet essentially pays for itself in a few months. Because with Hello Tushy, you don't wipe it all. You just poop, spray, dry, and go. And the sanitation is simple. The schmutz shield, real term here, offers easy (laughs) cleaning, and the knobs are naturally antimicrobial. So if you've already got a tush on your pot, hey, upgrade to the new 3.0 model. And if you're new to the revolution, join millions of happy Hello Tushy customers like Shane and I right now and have a clean butt with every flush. So my favorite part is the lack of toilet clogs when uh, Shane goes number two. And if you want to get on that train with me, go to hellotushy.com slash thisfamilytree to get 10% off your order and free shipping on the Tushy Bidet, which is only $79. So this offer is available in Canada and in the US. And again, that is hellotushy.com slash family tree and people always ask us do you actually love it the answer is yes hell yes okay (laughs) but we are also supported by seedlip the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit crafted without alcohol sugar or calories seedlip spirits solve the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking whether it's for the night the month or forever and we are certainly drinking this at least one night a week off the pod and we're drinking this Every time we do a podcast, and it really is a ritual that we've come to enjoy 
and it's relaxing. Oh, it is so relaxing. And delicious. Delicious. And I'm like, you said at the beginning of this episode, Shane, I'm like a pro bartender now because of making all these beautiful seedlip cocktails. That, that wasn't a lie. Yeah. Yeah. So as a non-drinker, you know, it never feels good when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. But now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. So whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using a bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation of botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, which are Spice 94, Garden 108, which is what we had tonight, and Grow 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash of tonic. I used to think we had a favorite variant, and then we would try different <laughs> drinks, and I realized I love them all equally, yeah. depending on the drink <laughs> we're having. I know. No, that's huge. And people ask me that all the time. And that's the answer I end up giving them. But, you know, you can make more complex cocktails like the ones we made tonight, the watermelon sour. And you can find those in the Seedlip cocktail book or on their Instagram account at Seedlip underscore NA. So head on over to SeedlipDrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code ThisFamilyTree10 for 10% off your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. This is available in Canada and in the US. And again, that is SeedlipDrinks.com and ThisFamilyTree10. And now we're getting back to our interview with Lindsay. And with the paper towels, because that is such an essential part of daily life, like what kind of, if I can ask this, like what kind of financial difference did it make? It's huge. I can't remember. I think at one point I calculated like how much the average person spends on paper towels. And I don't remember the number. I remember the diaper number. I think the diaper number from like birth to potty train somewhere like $6,000 per child (laughs) to buy diapers. diapers. And that's like plain, you know, run of the mill diapers. That's not the, you know, whatever. There's a million choices out there. And for our cloth diapering journey, we spent $600 and we will not spend another dime on baby number two. So it's like, you know, we saved a ton of money doing that. And of course you have to calculate, you know, water to wash them, whatever. But I think it's still the the research has shown that that saves it's a huge cost savings mm-hmm. and i don't remember with paper towels i would assume it's high because paper towels yeah. are not cheap <laughs> no i know i know and hard to get your hands on during pandemic times they're sold out of the time in the grocery store uh but what is what is another swap that people could do if listeners are thinking okay i want to start changing my life i want to start thinking more sustainable what household swaps can we make yeah i think not using paper plates is a huge one. We just use porcelain and my child also uses porcelain and has from the beginning. We had a very brief phase where she was like throwing her bowls and things off of the table, but yeah, she we don't buy dish detergent. We have like a dish block, which I think has become pretty trendy and honestly has been really nice. We've had the same dish block. I was looking back the other day for over a year. <laughs> it was like a $12 Wait, investment. Is, that, is it the same as like... um? Like, uh, you know how you can get like bars to wash your hair and condition your hair? Is it like that? Yeah. It's like a big, yeah, a big soap bar. And then you just buy like a bamboo brush. So instead of like soap on a rag, you take the brush and scrub directly onto the bar of soap and then onto your, yeah. That is very cool. Onto your dish. It is very cool. And we've had ours for over a year. It was $12 and we have (laughs) been able to. Use it. No Tox Life is the brand that we use and we really like. No Tox Life? Yep. Where no do you buy that? Life. Online. Okay. Okay. I've never heard of that. They're like a mom and daughter owned 
business too. So it's always nice to support female in business. Yeah. That's amazing. Are they Canadian by any chance? I honestly don't know. Mm -hmm. Cause you, you are Toronto, correct? No, I'm from America. You are, why did I think I you know, it was cause you were EST that always throws me off because you're in the same time zone. Uh, yes. Yeah, we are in the same time. So we're actually, I'm actually in Cincinnati, Ohio. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. There okay. you go. Yeah. Learn something every day. <laughs> <laughs> so not exactly talking to a neighbor. So I was going to say, you're like 45 yeah. minutes away from me, but. That's funny. No, nope, not quite. Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when it comes to things like natural cleaners, whatnot, like, do you use those in your home? Yeah, for the most part. We have been really lucky in Cincinnati to have, we now have three refilleries that have like self-service refill bars. So you can like take in empty jars and get cleaning supplies, which we've been, we've utilized for a while now. It's hard because there's the intersection of like chemical free and environmentally friendly don't always coincide. (laughs) So you think you're like making a choice for the environment and then, you know, you use the like think clean app or whatever app you use to see like how chemically pollutant it is. And yeah, it's very frustrating. I wish the two coincided more. That's one of the reasons why I like no tox life because they purposefully make their products pretty clean, which is nice. So you can feel like you're helping the environment and keeping your your like home environment chemical free. Yeah, well, I, I feel duped sometimes because especially with the the home industry and so heavily in the beauty industry, they're greenwashing everything. And you feel like you are, you know, doing something that's better for your body or using a product that is more sustainable and does better for the environment, but like it's not. So do you, do you have any that you know are good that you kind of swear by other than the no talks life? We don't honestly buy a lot of things from like a grocery or a convenience store just because the, a lot of the things that we do buy, we don't, I don't know, we don't have a lot of stuff. Like we've really eliminated the grocery stores for groceries. <laughs> we don't, you know, we don't get a lot of other stuff there. So I don't know that I do have a ton of name brands. We do like Little Seed Farm is a like deodorant company that we use and they come in glass jars and I think they have also like bar soap. Yeah, we're Little Seed Farm and No Tox Life are the two that we stick to. We even order our toilet paper from a company. So like we don't, yeah, we don't use, which is really nice because it comes in a box of like 52 rolls. So when the pandemic, the pandemic craziness was happening, I was like, we're fine. <laughs> like we, don't, we don't need toilet paper. We have That's it so in smart. bulk. Well, yeah. we bought we bought a bidet from a company oh, called nice. Hello Tushy, and they they support our podcast actually. And because we approached them after we bought their bidet, we're like, oh my god, we're obsessed. We need to have you guys to support us because we already talk about you in every episode, and that saved our butts quite literally. Like it did, and the we use so much less toilet paper for certain functions, and. Like it's amazing, and it, and that's a little switch. It barely uses any water, and just like that's a little switch that we made out of, out, like you, out of necessity, right? So when it comes to minimalism, and again, getting rid of everything we don't need, because I think that's something we can all practice more. And like as I sit here talking to you, I'm in my living room. The playroom is over here, and looking into it, there's just so much shit. There's so much shit, and. 
like I already looking this way, I can already probably count 30 things that I know we don't need. Like when it comes to toys, when it comes to things for you and your husband, like clothes, makeup, whatever, do you also try to bring minimalism and sustainability into that? And if so, how do you do that? Yeah, for sure. I, and I think this is the difference and maybe this is everyone. And I just feel like, I think I'm special. I get very, <laughs> I get very overwhelmed by stuff very easily. So like, okay. it is not an option for me to have clutter because I can't function as a, like, <laughs> you hate my house. <laughs> yeah. A good, a good human. I, yeah, I get overwhelmed in lots of spaces. My mother-in-law is like the queen of collections. <laughs> and I don't think she would be upset with me saying that. I think it's a, a well-known obvious statement. So even before we had my daughter, we lived pretty just like consciously. Like I try to mm-hmm. think, does this item, because I, you know, I'm human. I get very tempted by the target like, mm-hmm. dollar spot and like all of those things. Does this item spark like intense appreciation for me? Or is it something that like at the checkout line, I'm going to feel really good about, but like getting it out of my car and finding a place for it in my home, is going to stress me out and it's going to end up, you know, like in a corner mm-hmm. somewhere. With toys, we try to think very open-endedly, like, is this toy multi-purpose? Can it grow with her? Is this something that I would be willing to hold on to? Or does it have the, like, quality to last long enough for a second child to use? And I really like when spaces are done. I think that's also something that's different. And maybe just, like, a mindset that not a lot of people have is that like things can be finished. Like you don't have to constantly be decorating or constantly be changing seasonally or, you know, there's a number of different reasons why people change things in their home. Mm-hmm. I am not a person who finds that enjoyable. Like, no, I really no, just I'm not. want a space to be like done. I don't, have, I don't have time for it. That's my bottom line. I just yeah. don't have time. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. It's a time consuming task, I'm sure. So when it comes to Christmas and birthdays, because I have heard so many different ideas in regards to this, like for kids, right? Do you have a specific approach to that that kind of goes hand in hand with, you know, minimalism? Yeah. So my daughter is two, so we've only celebrated Mm -hmm. two birthdays, (laughs) but we have been pretty successful in getting our families to understand our wishes. Her first Mm -hmm. birthday, I want to say we asked for like a donation. We had a like a future fund for her set up. And people were really respectful of that. Her second birthday, we asked for nothing. Like, please don't bring anything. Mm -hmm. But if you want to, we will again accept a donation. But I think once people realize you're serious, (laughs) because I think that's a very like kind thing to say, like, oh, don't worry about it. Don't bring anything. Once they realize you're serious. And we've had to have some like one-on-one conversations with some family members who, you know, gift giving is their love language. They want to shower you in all of the things but we were just really frank with them to say, we know this is your love language, but that does not communicate love to us. Like your hope is that we feel loved by this. And honestly, I feel disrespected. (laughs) Like let's, let's try to find some different ways for you to get the message across, not just like the gift exchanged. Yeah. So we've, we've been very lucky in that our family and friends have, you know, come on board to our wishes. But I think again, I'll say it a million times that looks different for everyone. We don't sell holidays you know, as traditionally as people do, my daughter gets one gift four times a year. We celebrate the seasonal changes. And even that feels like sometimes we do. And sometimes, you know, sometimes we don't. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm like, oh, 
I've been wanting to get her this thing. It aligns really well with this season. She'll have a lot of fun with it at this age. Let's go ahead and do it. And other times it's like, oh crap, it's going to be summer in two weeks. And I've not, <laughs> I'm not really like given it a ton of thought. So, so where, do, where does that come from? The celebrating the seasonal changes that are like a religious, a cultural thing? Yeah, we, my husband and I both grew up evangelical Christian, had a bit of a, not a bit, had a major deconstruction. <laughs> I downplay that, but I'm like, no, that kind of was a big deal for us. Had a pretty major deconstruction a couple of years ago, and then just kind of realigned ourselves with what was important to us. And that was Willow just having a really, Willow's my daughter's name, um, mm-hmm. a really deep connection with the planet. And I think, you know, all of the other things that we're doing are out of a hope that that happens. And then we were just able to look at like, how can we make celebrations align with something that furthers that goal for us? Um, and that mm-hmm. looked like celebrating seasonal changes. So it's been really sweet. I really love, I love that tradition. I love that ritual for us. My daughter's starting to realize like the other day, a couple of months ago, she told me that mom of the trees are naked, but they're going to leave soon. And I'm like, you're right. <laughs> like, that is a yeah. two-year-old way of explaining that spring is coming. So yeah. That, that's fantastic. And, you know, even before you mentioned, you know, having come from a very deeply evangelical background uh, and deconstructing that and making big lifestyle changes, I just think of the changes that you guys implement in your everyday life. And you mentioned having to sit down with family members one-on-one and just explain, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing that. Have you been met with a lot of pushback in regards to how you want to parent and how you want to lead your lives going forward? Yes. <laughs> yes. In the short, I think, I think anytime, especially with your own parents, you decide to do something differently, it feels personal. And I've done a lot of introspection with that because it's like, why this is not about you. Like you had your oppor- you, you are still having your opportunity mm-hmm. to parent and now it is my turn. And like, wouldn't you want me to do things my own way? Like, that means you've raised an independent thinker. Like I can, I can, you know, always push back my own positives, but I think (laughs) for a lot of people that feels deeply personal. Like, why don't you want to do things the way that I did them with you? Right. Like, did I do them wrong? Yes. Yes. Um, So yeah, we've had lots of conversations. I've recently gotten to a point where, (laughs) and we're having a boy in August. And this will be the first boy on both sides. And I think raising, yeah, it's very exciting, but raising a boy in our family is going to be different the way we want to raise a boy. Okay. (laughs) So we're already gearing up for what that looks like. How are we going to uh, respond to toxic masculinity that is just so Mm -hmm. ingrained in our culture that they're not even aware that that's what that is. So I have gotten to the point here recently where I've started saying, I'm not going to explain that decision for, to you because it's yeah. become very emotionally taxing for me to have to like, you know, work up all of the, all of the conscious parenting things. Yeah. Like I spend so much time making these decisions to then have to regurgitate how I got to mm-hmm. my destination every Absolutely. time is just very exhausting. So I think making that boundary for our family has been really helpful. So when that happens and when your son does get here, what do you think will be the biggest shift and just change in dynamic from how boys and men were raised prior to you guys having children? Yeah. I think we just give a lot of space for emotion in our family and our, you know, our, our nuclear family and our family of origin 
are not the most emotionally rich humans and <laughs> love them to death. But I think there's, you know, we all have lots of growing to do. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing is that I think they have very just traditional mm-hmm. um, thoughts around emotions. And I don't know that all of the girls in our life have pushed against their traditional views as much as right. I will. So yeah. And who knows, maybe I'm completely wrong. We have like, I posted about this the other day on Instagram about how my husband and I on our way to family functions, literally role play. <laughs> like, <laughs> here are the things that are probably going to come up. How would we like to respond to them? And we did that at our gender reveal. We had like, you know, a little gathering mm-hmm. to tell them the sex of our child and none of those things came up. So I was very pleased that like all of our background preparation was not needed, but I'm sure at some point something, you know, something will hit the field or it'll be something that we've practiced. Oh, I I think that is such a a useful tip, truly, like to say, okay, you know, if you're, if my mother-in-law approaches me about this thing that she truly doesn't agree with, Let's talk about that. How's that conversation going to go? Because that alone, like Shane and I have done things like that before for business and whatnot. And I always just sweat. Like they situations like that make me sweat. So it feels so good to get the initial nerves, the initial stuttering, the initial guilt or fear out in kind of like a role-playing situation. I think that's really good. Yeah, it's nice to do with your spouse too because then in, even if in that moment – the situation comes, you feel all of the emotions. There's two people mm-hmm. who have like premeditated the response. So like yeah. if I stumble over part of it, he's there to, you know, pick up the rest of it and make sure that the point has gotten across. So it's been very helpful. Absolutely. And, and have like sitting in those conversations and with family members, when you are frank and you are just kind of setting your bottom line and, you know, just telling them why. Mm-hmm. Are people typically uh, receptive? I think it depends on the person. <laughs> um, some people don't respect our boundaries, even if we say like, I'm setting a boundary and I need you to respect it. Like I could be that clear with them and they would be like, I don't, I just don't understand. <laughs> Which to that I say, you don't have to, like, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter. I'm not here to make you understand. I'm not your teacher. <laughs> Which yeah, it gets very, it gets very frank. And when someone, you know, when someone is being that blatant about disrespecting your boundaries, there isn't. I no longer feel the burden to make this a pleasant conversation for you. That makes it easier, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, it does. Yes, it does for sure. Yeah. So I think it's just dependent on the person, but I mean, we have just done that so much that I think mm-hmm. it's become the norm. Like they know a, a lot of times it's honestly funny for me when we, we bring up something that I know is countercultural and there is no conversation around it. Like that almost feels weirder for me now, but I think it's <laughs> out of an understanding that like, they're not going to understand we've yeah. made decisions that, you know, just outside of their realm of reality or whatever. <laughs> no, I, I, I think that's fantastic. And I do think obviously what you guys are doing is fantastic, especially if it works for you. And it's like, I think that as parents, we can all learn something from each other, even if it seems like we have totally different perspectives. Now, I, I do not think you have many different perspectives than us. I think it's very, very similar. But I do know there are some listeners with wildly different perspectives than I have. And they'll bring those perspectives to me sometimes. And sometimes we'll have to hash out and have an unpleasant conversation. But there's always learning to be done. I, I think that is so crucial. And the last thing I want to ask you about, your kid isn't watching TV right now. You're doing no screen time, which is fantastic. But like, man, like I need to give my 
daughter a little bit of screen time every day just so I can get work done so I could like sip a coffee or just sit there and stare at the wall for a couple minutes. So how is this working? How many days into it are you and how's it going? Yeah, this is day seven. I will say that we lived the majority of her life pre-pandemic, no screen. Mm-hmm. Pandemic came, winter came, I got pregnant and it was like, I yes. needed Daniel Tiger to survive my life. <laughs> It would not have happened without him. I would have not made it through. Uh, kudos to Fred Rogers for saving me. <laughs> so I, yeah, I just had the realization last week that like, wow, we have become very dependent on this television. I honestly was feeling like our connection was kind of wonky. Her play skills were kind of just not sharp. Like she wasn't mm-hmm. playing the way that she had used to. And yeah, it was just kind of alarming. Like the more I thought about it, I was I was not happy with our current situation. Right. Um, and it's not about the TV. It's just about our family. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but it's been so nice. Our days are going by faster. I'm home alone with her. My husband is outside of the home. Faster. They're going so much faster. Because what I was realizing is that it just was never enough time for me. Like mm-hmm. no matter how long she watched TV, I was not ever feeling rejuvenated by that time right. away from her. So it was like, I constantly was putting on more episodes for her. She is not a kid who can watch TV and play. So she's just like catatonic on the couch. <laughs> and then when she gets done, I am not at a place where then I want to engage with her. Like it yeah. wasn't serving the purpose that I needed it to anymore. So it's been really nice. And again, I'm a person who gets very easily overwhelmed. So the TV being on right. while I tried to do something else, I think was just too much auditory simulation for me. So yeah, it's gone by a lot faster. She's learning again, how to play by herself, which has been really nice. I feel more refreshed and able to engage with her. We're getting back into a good rhythm where we're going outside more, but again, the TV was out of survival. Like, I do not think that it was bad. I do not think we will never turn it on again. <laughs> it will happen again and we will, you know, it ebbs and flows. You know, I totally agree. Like I uh, gave birth last July and I, I'm terrible in pregnancy. I have lupus. So it's like all the pregnancy symptoms are exacerbated by my autoimmune disease. And it's just like, I couldn't move from seven months onward. So I was trying to work. I was heavily pregnant in so much pain. And oh my gosh, it was it was brutal. Like I'm so embarrassed about the amount of TV on, but having, you know, having since had my daughter, my second daughter, it's been easier. It's been easier to yeah. separate ourselves from it and and it ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. Like what would have been better? You killing yourself right. yeah. quite literally to like barely entertain her (laughs) or like giving her enjoyable moments on, you know, watching educational programming. Like it is, it's totally fine. Yeah. There's, there's no shame in survival. Parenting is hard enough. And Lindsay, your community online on Instagram, and I know you, you're, you're involved with other things. Like, do you have a newsletter? I do. Yes. So Mm -hmm. what can people expect to find there and where can they go to find that? Yeah. So my Instagram handle is simply.sustainable.parenting. My website is simplysustainableparenting.com. I run a a book club. (laughs) It's not like a monthly book club. It's just when the book's done, we run another book. (laughs) (laughs) So you can watch for that. Yeah. It's been really great. I feel very lucky to have the community that we do. And it's been so fun to connect with just other intentional parents. And it looks Mm -hmm. so different in everyone's house. Like I love that what 
I share and what people gravitate towards is such a broad topic that people can grasp things that are just like very different people. Yeah. And my newsletter comes out haphazardly. (laughs) I'm not conscious about my newsletter. It comes out when it comes out. (laughs) Well, you're too conscious about other things to be also conscious about your newsletter. I get it. I'm the same way, but I, and I have to, I really do love your page. It's so it's, it's calming to me. And even today, I'm not just saying this because the last thing I saw you post was a, a meditation for conscious parents. And it was, it was you, I think you were burning sage and you were just in like your lovely voice, just saying I, like a mantra, saying a meditation. And it was so peaceful. And I stopped and I turned up my volume and I just sat there and listened to it. And it brought me so much joy, really. So thank you for that. And so worth a follow. But yeah, no, Lindsay, thank you so much for sitting down with me tonight. And uh, I hope you have a great rest of your week. But truly, thank you. Yeah, thank you. This was great. It was fun to talk to you. Okay, that was Lindsay. I haven't heard the interview. I'm sure it was fabulous. Everyone says that it's better. The interviews are better when you're just doing them. Well, flattered, blushing, but... In fact, Erica, again, who edited this episode, sent me a message and was like, no offense, Shane, but Alex killed that. I'm like, okay, well, it does hurt my feelings because (laughs) just say Alex killed that without the no offense part. Right, no, Because I do take offense to that. I like having you in the interviews better, um, but... You know, I was lucky that the people I was interviewing when you were gone were so easy for me to talk to. And honestly, I felt like I knew Lindsay for a long time and I just felt so comfortable asking her different questions about things. Uh, again, it's just has to do with her her warmth and her, her understanding, I think. So, yeah, no, big props two, to Lindsay. Two good qualities. Two qualities I don't have, apparently. Shane. But- <laughs> Let's get to my favorite part of the episode. This is the mailbag segment. So you, the listeners, have sent Alex questions. Alex, the host of the podcast, Mm -hmm. is answering them through her research. And just she might throw something off the top of the dome. And I kind of sit back and throw in my two cents if if it calls for it, which it usually doesn't. All right. Well, look at that is the first question, Shane. So we we got a longy. That's a question. That's a question. So it's like she two gives, paragraphs. Well, That's she, literally two paragraphs. Here's the thing. I asked her for a little context. So she gave us context so we can properly answer this. Hey, Alex, here's a question you can answer on the pod if you want. How in the world do you and Shane have enough energy to have a date night? I have a three-year-old and a six-month-old and I'm effing exhausted. Same with my husband. I just turned 30. So it's not like I'm an old mother. Haha. I just don't understand how you and Shane have so much energy. For more context, my husband is out of town from Monday to Wednesday. I put my toddler down at 7 because we usually skip a nap during the day, and I go to bed at 10. I need a solid three hours to just chill before I sleep. My baby co-sleeps with me and doesn't wake up in the middle of the night. Both kids are up between 6 and 7 every morning. However, at the end of the day, I can barely have a conversation. So how do you and Shane manage to always have energy and time for a date night? Well, the key is much like how extroverts say conversations and people give them energy. Mm -hmm. I'm the opposite. Like I find if I go into a situation with people I don't know, it drains me of all my energy. However, on a date night, since I'm so comfortable with you, I mean, you're my wife. We have two kids. It gives me so much energy. And even if I'm fucking exhausted, I go into that date night like it's a new day. Mm-hmm. And it just gives me energy. I'm excited. I don't look at at it as a job or like, oh, we have to play Scrabble tonight. Because, hey, we just 
don't play Scrabble. Yeah. Some nights we don't even want to touch the games. And last date night, <laughs> last date night, you said, Shane, we're just sitting on the couch and listening to our nostalgia French radio station and chatting. And that's it. And to be honest, that seems to be our sweet spot on a lot of date nights. Yeah. Just chilling on the couch, having a glass of wine and chatting. You know what? And it's funny. So because a big part of date night, you know, it's spending quality time, not just watching a movie. And sometimes, honestly, like this Wednesday, that would have been an easy thing to do because we were so tired. It would have been an easy thing to throw on a movie. However, that's not the vibe that we want. So the vibe is sitting on the couch and connecting in some other way, talking, whatever. Another big element that I always talk about on this podcast is intimacy and fitting in intimacy during date night. You know, our intimacy that night ended with us cuddling on the couch and having great conversation and talking and snuggling. We postponed and made a part two yeah. the next night for the intimacy because we were we were too tired. And you know, like that's okay as long as everybody's on the same page. But sadly, on night one, Alex had told me that was the most satisfied she'd ever been during an intimate <laughs> moment. And I was like, really? <laughs> but thing is, like Shane, Shane got it right. I mean, on a date night, I'm trying to think if in the beginning when we were trying to get in the habit of, you know, having the energy every week, if it seemed more like a chore at that point, but I don't think it did. And, you know, if you only have a few hours, if you only have three hours, make the most out of those three hours. Or if your kid's waking up at six to 7 a.m. anyway, put them to bed earlier. They're not going to know the difference. Yeah, the date night needs to be a vacation. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have time to take a vacation, then you're you're looking at the date nights wrong. You're looking yeah. at them more like work. It can, the date night can just be a fancy dinner mm -hmm. and a drink and then it's done. Go to bed at the same time. It doesn't yeah. need to be drinking absinthe and like, I don't know, swinging off chandeliers and getting too drunk. It can just be something out of the ordinary that's a reprieve from your nine to five boring life. Yeah. Or like from what you do for dinner every night of the week. So like on date night, Shane and I just order from a fancier restaurant in town and we will spend more money than we typically will. And we like... We are supported by Ed Wine Company on date nights, ED, ED Wine, Wine Company yeah. on date nights. And we open up a fancy bottle of wine every single date night. And it's like, we don't know what we're getting into. It's exciting. Okay. And if you're at home rolling your eyes like, okay, Richie Rich, we don't have all this money to throw around. It's a pandemic. A Big Mac for, you can spend less than yeah. $20 and feel like a king. I'm just telling you, don't make dinner for yourself. Get the cheapest fast food you can, crack open some PBRs, and it's still going to feel like a date night. And in some ways, probably even better because we've taken some risks on some fancy restaurants and they've sucked. And, and Which is still funny because we're just making fun of the restaurant. One of our consistent go-tos, if we don't know what else to do, is Taco Bell. And we'll just get a pile of tacos. Well, sometimes we'll get a fancy restaurant and we'll be like, I wish we got Taco Bell. And then we'll just order Taco Bell late and just feel, you know, terribly guilty afterwards. But yeah, no. But so it's, you know, just make the energy, put the kids in bed. Like Lucy doesn't even sometimes fall asleep. She'll just kind of play in her room and then go to sleep. Let it happen. Get the fancy meal, dress up for each other. That's a big part of it for me. Just even get out of your pajamas, get out of your sweatpants, your Lululemons, whatever, and just put on jeans, you know? Yeah. That's all I do. I wear jeans. Yeah, I, I think I- And I, I tuck my shirt in. I go the extra mile sometimes. Well, I wear dresses. there's more dress miles to go. 
There's more miles to go. I feel like women have more fancy dress up options than me. True. If I put on a tux, it'd be like, okay, you're doing too much, but you can wear a dress without (laughs) seeming like you're trying too much. I would love for you to wear like nice pants and like a dress shirt. Like you have dress t-shirts, don't you? Dress t-shirts? <laughs> I do not own dress t-shirts. I'm going to Google what that is after this. <laughs> like what you'd wear to like a summer wedding. I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe. I actually suggest that you do. Let's have one date night sometime in the near future where we go like all out. Could be fun. I do. Okay. I do. Okay. So next question. Kind of goes along with it. What are your favorite places to eat in Hamilton? So if you're local, I'm just going to I'm going to do a quick list, Shane. And if you have any to add after this list, throw yep. them in. Castelli Cucina on James Street North. Fresh. It just came here from Toronto. It's a vegetarian place. It's freaking amazing. Get the onion rings, get the squash tacos and get the cauliflower buffalo bites. Berkeley North is incredible. Heal odds. Maddie's hot chicken and the general bread and pastry. If you get something there, get their pop tart. Do you have anything to add? Ooh, those Pop-Tarts are amazing. Yeah, that's more of a breakfast food than really a date night thing. But hey, have it the morning after date night, especially mm-hmm. if you're going to be having a couple of drinks. You'll really appreciate that. Taco Bell. Taco Bell. The, the base, McDonald's is a great date <laughs> night. A Big Mac is an amazing date night food. What else do we have here? We You said the Maddie's Chicken. What's yeah. the other chicken place? we went Uncle to? Ray's. Uncle Ray's is great. Amazing cornbread. Um, oh, wild orchid. So oh, wild orchid, piri piri chicken. And there, what is the appetizer? Oh, it's, it's the chorizo sh- with it, it's like shri- goat cheese. Yes, that's chorizo great. with goat cheese. Incredible. Wild orchid has been like it's an institution. It's been in oh, Hamilton for like twenty years. Born and raised is terrific. Oh, so good. Okay, now this I don't think delivers anymore. They tried like a two week run where they did. I know what you're gonna say. What, what? Mesa. Mesa. I Mexican. Love. Mesa Mexican food and they might be delivering now I don't know but I don't know that's one of the things I'm definitely going to as soon as I'm fully vaxxed or whenever yeah. I'm allowed out of the house but they, but they definitely do curbside or takeout and it's just it's home style Mexican food and it just like it's so amazing it's so good they put so much effort into it all right next question what was your childhood dream job versus your current dream job so my childhood dream job I You know, I'd like watch the Oscars and then I'd want to be an actress and then I'd see the Olympics and I'd want to be a professional athlete. And I always oscillated between the two. Now, I think I'd like to be a professional podcaster, but I think we are professional podcasters. So I would like to be a full time podcaster that like as a dream. Like professional and like you mean like Dak Shepard, Joe Rogan type of money being made. Oh, yeah. That's if we're dreaming. That's the dream. Yes. If we're dreaming. For me, I wanted to be a singer for sure. Uh, I used to sing every night. <laughs> I thought I would, had an amazing voice. I had no idea like how, you know, you hear your voice in your head and then you hear it on an answer machine or on a video and you realize, oh, my voice sounds terrible. But in my <laughs> head, it sounded really good. So once that dream went away, it went to dentistry. Okay. My dad one time just made a comment about like, you should be a dentist. That'd be a good life. Every time I was getting my teeth cleaned, my dentist would always be talking to his assistant about these vacations he was going on. (laughs) And he was so calm and so relaxed. And I actually like the sound that your teeth make when the metal instrument's going on it. Some people might cringe at that, but I I really love that noise. I don't mind my gums being kind of like, it's like a hangnail type of pain that I like. Mm -hmm. So teeth... Something always fascinated me about that job. Found out there's a lot of schooling. You're a doctor. (laughs) 
didn't necessarily have the, I don't know, <laughs> smarts for that. Uh, NBA, I, I was one of the best one-on-one players in, I think, Hamilton. Like, without exaggeration, I would play the best high school player. I'd play the best player in my elementary school. All, all my life, I'd always play the best player and beat them. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, if you're good at one-on-one, that's pretty much means you're the best. <laughs> but basketball is so much more complex than that. And the five-on-five game, I just stink i'm not i'm not good like i was a good three-point shooter in my high school and all that and i i could start but i just was not a phenomenal player and so my dream just turned to be a vj like much music vj which you kind of became i i had little stints on air but again once that red light's blinking and i find out i'm on live (laughs) tv i shit my pants i'm just i i'm not a guy you want in high pressure situations I have a problem with people looking at me, and that's not good for someone who wants to be on TV. Yeah. I'm too self-conscious. And what's your current dream? This. Honestly, I'm living the dream. Being relaxed is my mm-hmm. dream. Being Like we were talking about it on the way back from Niagara on the Lake. You were saying, aren't you glad that like all of our biggest obstacles and our, we feel like we're kind of set in our, yeah. in our ways and we're living a comfortable lifestyle? It's somewhat it's very modest lifestyle we live but it's also very comfortable and i I appreciate it so much and it feels like my hardest days are behind me Mm -hmm. because it is hard to get a career job like that is so much stress in my 20s i did not enjoy my 20s the way i enjoyed my 30s i just i thought i'd be out on the streets like i just thought i was unemployable and to get that behind me having you a wife who i love (laughs) like i thought that was never gonna happen i thought i was undateable (laughs) To have the two children, I was like, how could I be a dad? I'm not responsible. I'm a mess. I'm this and that. And just to have all that behind me, I feel like I've made it. Like, I feel like this is it. This is the dream. And they oversell the dream with like money and fame and all that. I feel like that's oversold so much where this is actually the dream. Well, that comes with so much crap that you don't want to deal with. Money, fame, like that comes with so much unnecessary stress and a lack of a lack of what like privacy of time of everything for me the last thing i want shane to be is famous in a sense well, i don't even think you i don't want, you to, want be, to be famous. i don't want to be famous oh, the expectation on perfection like we've had small doses of extreme attention yeah and when that happens you cannot slip up you cannot say one word out of line your t's need to be crossed your yeah. i's need to be dotted or you're on every blog for like <laughs> several reasons. In these in these circumstances, when these things have happened, and Shane and I have had extreme amounts of attention on us for like one thing that we've done, we kind of crumbled. Like I think back to those moments and like we were crumbling every night. We'd be sitting there being like, we can't deal with this. We can't deal with this. This is too much. <laughs> well, especially when everything being reported is so inaccurate. Like, I didn't say that. It doesn't matter. It just keeps flying out. Anyway, yeah. Fame sucks. This life is awesome. Yeah. Comfort is being comfortable is yeah. the best. If you can achieve that, you've made it. I agree. I agree 100%. Okay, next question. What is your favorite animal and why? <laughs> I, <laughs> I love this question. I, I go back. It. I go back and forth. I will say, okay, when I was young, I was a hard dolphin fan. I loved freaking dolphins. I loved them so much. I thought they were amazing. I read dolphin books all the time. Loved them. Because they were so smart, because they were so cute, whatever. Now, I don't know. I go back and forth. I love owls. I love dolphins. I love orangutans. But I love penguins. 
And I think our daughter Lucy has also kind of amped up my love for penguins because she loves them. But they're just, they're family-oriented little birds. They're so smart. They're so smart. It's it's incredible. And there's just so many different kinds of penguins. And it's amazing. And like, if you've ever seen them at, you know, a zoo or something like that, like they're just, they're amazing. They're so cool and they're so adorable. When I was a kid, I really loved beavers, especially like the way they were depicted in cartoons and like... <laughs> Uh, Caddyshack, although it's a gopher, <laughs> gopher. in Caddyshack. I just thought these animals must be so cute and cuddly and friendly. And then you actually get to see a beaver up close. They'll kill you. A beaver <laughs> killed somebody like two years ago. Oh, yeah. They bit, the, they bit their, their artery in yeah. their leg. So killed somebody in Canada. Sometimes I think I like an animal and then I get to meet that animal. It's like, don't meet your idols. And the animal's <laughs> not cuddly or cute and they're very dangerous. And like I used to think monkeys or or chimps would be fun. And then you see them ripping people's faces off and they're 10 times stronger than men and they're very violent. So I think penguin is definitely my favorite. I do feel like they live up to the hype when you mm-hmm. meet them, especially a baby penguin. So cute. Oh and they have that fuzz. So yeah, I'm gonna say penguin. Obviously, dog is is yes. a great animal. Of course, you can't. Well, I like I'm thinking beyond the domestic. Yeah, you know what I mean. And when you were talking about beavers, it actually made me think of another animal that I love. Like this is like a zoo animal. I, I know people have conflicted feelings about zoos and whatnot, but like we have the Toronto Zoo close to us, and it's it's pretty amazing. But they have the otters. There's nothing more fun than watching the otters because they just play in the water. They're so fast. They like it's it's incredible. Like I could sit in front of the otter tank for hours. So fun. I like my otters free. <laughs> Same. <laughs> well, you and I did see a free otter. Remember in Prince Edward County when we were staying at the um what the Motor Inn, the Drake Motor Inn. There was an otter in the river. Do you remember that? Oh, that he was, was a, a tiny little cute guy. Yeah. Like Shane, he was so cute. A little river otter. We're sure that was an otter? Yes. And not another animal? I feel like there's- It could I always have been a mink. Up, I always mix up seal, otter, mink, yeah. and there's another one. It could, it could have been a mink, I guess, but I thought it was an otter. He looked more, like minks, I think, are like more uh, narrow. This guy was like rounder in the face and everything, like an otter. Yeah, when I was in Hawaii, I was walking on the beach, and there was just a huge, must have been a seal. Mm-hmm. And it was- incredible to see and it was just chilling there that's awesome i think it was birthing pups i, I don't know what they're called yeah the yeah they're called pups but it was very amazing so this reminds so i was with my cousin i have an aunt that lives on salt spring island so this is off the coast of vancouver on canada's west coast and she took us kayaking one day and there were harbor seals that were like following our kayaks in the water to this island that we were kayaking to. And then they got off on the island when we got off and they were just like sitting there kind of watching us. It was amazing. Like they were playing all around our kayaks. It was so cool. Animals are amazing. Anyhow, penguins are number one. Next question. Are there any benefits of extended breastfeeding? So the American, sorry, the Academy of American Pediatrics and the World Health Organization, and the American Academy of Family Physicians, that's all a mouthful, they all recommend uh, continuing to breastfeed for at least one year. And they say that the health of moms and babies is optimal when breastfeeding continues for at least two years. That's a long time. I know that is a very small group of mothers who continue to do that for two years. That's my hope, I think, with Betty this time around. How long did you do Lou for? 18 months. So up there, but uh, yeah, not two years. I, I, with Betty, I do want to go for two years. And 
benefits include protection from illness. So your milk will continue to enhance your kid's immune system, like your toddler at this point, so that they're less prone to colds, ear infections, allergies, and other common ailments that kids will get. Yeah. Question. What would happen if you tried to start breastfeeding Lou now? Like go back to it. Would she not know how to do it or? I don't know. I think she'd know how to do it, but I, it's funny you're saying this because I've actually thought about that and I want to ask an expert because I, I feel like she'd not know how. Well, here's the thing as being vaccinated now, right? Betty is getting antibodies through my breast milk from the vaccine. So I wanted to talk to somebody because I was like, hold on. Does this mean if I if I pumped or breastfed my toddler, they would also get antibodies. So I was thinking about pumping and then feeding Lou breast milk, like just in her cereal or her oatmeal, whatever, you know what I mean? Whenever she drinks milk. And I was wondering if there was any benefit to that. So I I do want to ask an an expert about that because I think that is so worth it if I can get her some antibodies. I wonder if that would work for me. Like, let's say I couldn't make it out to get the second dose if I just got it through your breast milk. Super fascinating. I don't know. Well, I don't know. We'll have to ask Dr. Drew next time we have him. <laughs> uh, but also research has found that breast milk retains its nutritional quality for the entire duration of breastfeeding. So like I've heard rumors like old wives tales saying, oh, your breast milk turns to water as your kid gets older. That's so untrue. And like while things like iron that starts dropping at about six months, it doesn't not just stop starts dropping, but it's not enough to keep up with your growing kid. It changes its composition based on the needs of your toddler as they grow. So like, for example, there's an increase in protein and, you know, they're still getting their uh, DHAs and fats and it's so good for their brain. And breastfeeding for more than six months can actually help protect children from developing leukemia and lymphoma, according to the Academy of American Pediatrics. And lastly, it reduces the risk of developing type 1 and type 2 diabetes. So I got these stats from Healthline and also from whattoexpect.com. But yeah, there's a huge benefit of extended breastfeeding. So, you know, if it's your thing, go for it because it's it's awesome. And I know some people can get judgmental as your kid grows, but just tell them to mind their own and you do you. Harsh words, but effective. <laughs> I'm such a biatch. Whoa. All right. uh, Next question. If you had a son, would you have him circumcised? No, we don't even have our daughter's ears pierced. So, you know, uh, full disclosure, I am circumcised. That was not my decision. I growing up, I always that was like my badge of honor. I was like, yeah, I'm like all the porn stars, you know, (laughs) like that's all you see mostly growing up like early porn was every man was circumcised women were always like or girls like we're saying oh like it's better you know everyone was like acting like if you're circumcised it was so much better so i was like oh thank goodness and people who weren't circumcised were kind of made fun of in my male group so i was like oh if i have a son of course i want him to look like me and it's like wait how often is my son looking at my dick i hope not a lot (laughs) i'm not gonna be like hey look me you me you and it's just like why bother? Who cares? It doesn't really, to me, outside of religious purposes yeah. or anything like that, it doesn't really matter to me at all. Mm-hmm. So I, we were dead set on not doing it. Yeah, we were dead set on not doing it uh, because essentially everything's a myth that you hear. And it's like you're going to teach your kids to clean themselves properly anyway. So nothing like that should be an issue. And it 
there's there's no purpose and there's no point from our perspective again unless it's you know religious or cultural to put your child through it essentially so yeah we were dead set against it and just kind of breaking the cycle of doing it because your dad does it or you know whatever next question have you ever disliked any of your friends partners not really no for me i think my friends made good choices i feel like my friends might have not liked my past partners Mm -hmm. but yeah i'm trying to think who past yeah oh yeah oh yeah yeah one of my friend's partners I did not like when we were at uh, – you and I went to a wedding mm-hmm. once and uh, oh. like when we first met and one of my friend's partners walked up to you – no, and me, you and yeah. me and came up to me and was like, she's the best you'll ever do and pointed at you, which to me it's like that's not only insulting to I me. I was offended. It's offensive to Alex. It's like, oh, yeah, like – there's better out there, but you can't get them. You have to settle for me. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're settling for her. And I was just thinking when this person said that to me, like, little do you know that you, like, the the man you're with is the best that you could ever do because she was with such a great guy. Mm-hmm. At the, yeah, he was and, wonderful. Who I, I loved and love to this day. And it's like, that's what I was thinking, you know. Mm-hmm. And mind you, I didn't know this person all that well, but I just thought that was such a ludicrous thing to walk up and, and I, do. I didn't know her at all yeah she didn't know you and here's the thing she was basing this off like rumors and conjecture things she heard about me all the same stuff that was going on about you yeah alex this perfect person who was way too good for me is on this pedestal and she was just basing this off you look like a barbie doll that night you're wearing a pink dress and it's like she's too hot for him and it's like you have no clue anything about this woman beyond the exterior so i found that to be highly insulting and i to this day do not follow her on instagram (laughs) that's (laughs) the ultimate that's the ultimate revenge just kidding the unfollow button no it's a lie i actually hate follow her but yeah (laughs) (laughs) well she's now dating another one of your friends i know (laughs) and i have disliked uh some partners of my friends none of them have been long lasting but you know i wouldn't say anything unless my friend was being you know hugely disrespected it wasn't a respectful relationship or if my friend wasn't safe obviously I would do something but other than that if I just didn't like them I'll just keep it to myself and you know go on with it next question all right Shane you're getting called out here on date night why wouldn't you answer the Disney question so for reference the question was what is your favorite and least favorite Disney movie that we've had to watch with the girls why didn't you answer it, Shane? People want to know. Well, I just felt like cer- certain questions I can't sink my teeth into deep. And on date night, I like something to lead to uh, a story, an anecdote, something interesting about us, like a datey type of vibe. So for Disney films, I'm not into cartoons that much, but I guess I would say Aladdin or Lion King. As a favorite or least favorite? Favorite. Mm. And you see, that's kind of where the conversation ends. What about least favorite? Oh, my least favorite? I don't I don't even know them. I don't know any of the other movies. We've watched oh. so many with Lucy Shane. I think Bambi I felt born. Oh, I, I do not like Coco. What's the... the... Yo, you don't like Coco. I love Coco. Oh. I love Coco. Coco makes me cry every time I see it. I love the music. I love everything about that movie. No, I don't find it funny. I find it... It's incredible. It's trying to pull at the heartstrings so much. It I, doesn't, though. It's so it's so perfectly done. See? That's why I don't want to get into this. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. So I like I like Raya and Coco are my number ones. And my least favorite shocked me because I hadn't watched it for like, I don't know, 25 years until Lucy wanted to watch it. And that was Sleeping Beauty. And it's just so... Uh, Creepy? It's... <laughs> Is it? I'm just guessing. I well, he kisses her when she's sleeping. But did you know I was reading something online? So who knows if it's true or not? But in the actual Sleeping Beauty fairy tale, like if whether it was you know grim or whatever, in the original version, he impregnates her, and then she wakes up. Like, is it intended for kids in the original? I don't know, babe. Oh, just that's weird. Weird. Yeah. I know. I know. Anyhow, Sleeping Beauty wasn't as like exciting as I remembered it to be. So least favorite. All right, next question. I'm starting to feed my baby his first solids and I'm navigating baby-led weaning. Do you have any tips? So I'm just going to say, listen to episodes 33 and episode 64 of our podcast. We get into baby-led weaning really hard on those episodes with some great experts. We talk about it on a ton of episodes, but those two are, you know, we definitely talk to great experts. And the only tips I would give you, I'd say don't let fear interrupt you or stop you from going on with things like you'll see that your kid is gagging or you might get scared at their ability as long as you're following a program and giving your child you know sizes that they that are appropriate for their age group and foods that are appropriate for their age group then you're gonna be okay you know always stay vigilant stay alert don't leave them alone with the food but don't let fear stop you from going through with it because it is a really awesome thing to do. Uh, and make your own program. When I was looking into baby led weaning, I'd see things like you can't spoon feed your kids at all during baby led weaning or, you know, they won't get the benefits, things like that. Take what you want from different experts, from different programs. See what goes with your lifestyle and do that. Otherwise, you're just going to be a stress case. So, yeah, do your own thing. Okay. Who gets more attention and do you ever feel guilty? Lucy gets all the attention and sometimes I feel guilty because I'm like, oh. What do you mean? More attention than me? Or? More attention out of the two kids. Oh. <laughs> so, Betty doesn't know what's going on. No, but here's the thing. When Lucy was Betty's age, Lucy had all the attention from everybody. And like I'm working on her with words, you know, 24 hours a day and doing fun stuff. And like with Betty... It's, you know, and here's the thing. I feel bad sometimes. Then I remind myself that she's learning things in a different way and she has benefits that Lucy didn't have. Mm. And you do learn things from being ignored heavily. (laughs) You do, at least. (laughs) She's going to be very independent. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So last question. If you were pregnant, would you get the vaccine? Heck yes, I would. Uh, You can give antibodies again to your baby and... That is, you know, I'd, I'd want to protect myself and my kid. And, of course, pregnant women are in a high-risk category. So, yes, definitely. Yeah. If I was pregnant, that would, one, that'd be very cool. And, two, <laughs> you better believe I'm getting the vaccine. I want to make every sorts of uh, newspaper there is out there. <laughs> but that's it, babe. And if you are listening to our podcast, if you listen every week or if this is your first time, don't be shy to give us a five-star rating and maybe a nice little comment. It honestly makes our day to read them and it helps us out when you do leave five stars. It truly does. So. Yeah, it helps us get more guests because it pushes us in that algorithm. Trust us. But anyway, thank you so much for listening to This, this Family, Family Tree, Tree Podcast. Podcast, episode 88.